0: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, here he is. Woo! The sensation! Jason Cavan! Harvard! Denmark Hofburg! In Leeuven, the Twister! Megan Tesla! He's the fucking champion!
2: steal Stevenson piece of shit. No, I think Razada good boy. Rosado is a good boy. I've become a massive
3: international superstar, it's so as simple as that. I
4: eat your ass all a you bitch. Scared of the real man. I'll fuck you till you love me, faggot, I'm you're worried you're worried going to
1: physically down. shoot David Hay. He you're fucking down. glassed me. Wait, no. He glassed me
4: for the Derek, who out? I'm Shannon Briggs, I'm hard to kill, I'm the black team the ball. I'm hard to fucking kill! Well, I believe Christopher can take a punch. I'm very good at math and looking at a fighter and seeing what his abilities are. I can't see that Golovkin has anything like Christopher's speed, his power, his punching ability, his hand speed, his foot movement. I don't see that from a calculating point of view. I don't see that he has anything like that. So then it's gonna come down to heart.
3: I spoke to Joe Gallagher, they don't want to fight Carl Frenton. And the bottom line is, you know, no disrespect to
4: Cross These guys aren't good enough to face Carl Frenton.
1: I'm the best heavyweight champion in the world. I'm half Dr. with me. I'm undefeated champion. Undisputed champion. I want good next.
4: You've got my Dino Riboneclick, has
1: I'm the student heavyweight champion of the world! Win
2: this! I love Boxing Asylum, it's
3: as simple as that.
0: Well, hello everybody and welcome to the 432nd edition of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. I'm your host Steve Wellings and joining me on the call we have Andy Patterson. That's it, just the two of us going live on YouTube from 8 o'clock every Sunday evening. The Patreon RSS feed updates shortly after the show concludes... Hello to everybody in the chat. We'll be calling you out later for all of your crimes. Hello to everybody listening during the week as well on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever the hell else you listen to us as well. Don't forget to leave a review of the podcast on the podcast player of your choice. Throughout the entire month of July, nothing less than five stars, is acceptable. Andy, good evening. How are you keeping, sir? Are you okay on this beautiful Sunday evening?
3: It's Red Hope, mate. I was worried about you yesterday because I'd seen something about the temperature on Northern <laughs> Ireland. You said about 31 degrees? Yeah. My God, man. You pale blue guys would be absolutely melting. I heard the ice cream trucks were under siege last night.
0: Oh no, man. I'm pretty red today. Enjoying life out in the garden, though. We've had a good time. I think uh, this week, Andy, me and you are going to be paying the price, just like the boys did last yeah. week. Shout, shout out to Matty and Gabe. Um, I mean, they did their best last week, didn't they? I was on holiday yeah, we all had things to do. Or the guys weren't available. Certain fellas were watching the football and that. They kept it going for an hour and forty minutes. So fair play to the Americans. Yep. We are going to suffer this week.
3: We are going to suffer this week, mate, uh, as we usually do. But fair play to the guys last week for carrying it. And just again, it's a simple reminder for the listeners who actually want to you know complain about or oh, get this person off, get that person off. Last week, it just showed you when people kind of make it, you go to take what you get given. And if you don't like it, you've told you've been told what to do. Foxtrot Oscar.
0: Absolutely. Good stuff. One person who's not complaining is Justin Robinson, who has set the tone for the evening. Maybe many more will follow. He's thrown in a super chat for 5 pen. Thank you very much, Justin. He says, been listening for years, thought I'd better sling in. Well done, boys. Thank you very much indeed, Justin. As we were talking off air then, actually, if you are trying to tweet me at the moment at AsylumBOTW, that's the Asylum Belly of the Week account, seems to have been suspended for some reason or blocked or locked or or something like that, Twitter are looking into it. They've messaged me back today. So anybody who's tagged me in, sent information or whatever, we can't get it at the moment. We are trying to deal with it. So just tag me in at Stephen Wellings, S-T-E-V-E-N, Wellings, over on Twitter. And I'll try and do my best for you. As best as I possibly can. Let's get on with the action then, shall we? First of all, this was in the AT&T Centre in San Antonio last night. Jamel Charlo against Brian Castagno. We expected to have a unified champion at super welterweight. Unfortunately, we haven't got one. It's a split draw. Uh, 114, 114, reasonable. 114, 113 as well in Castaño's favour, and a bit of a strange 117, 111 from Nelson Vasquez, experienced judge, but that was way too wide as far as I'm concerned. Really good fight, close fight. I don't necessarily dispute the draw, Andy. I thought Castanho did enough, but I expected Charlo at the end to get it on the cards. I thought they were going to call his name out. You can't really call it a robbery, but it's a slight come down for the Charlos over recent weeks. Obviously Jamal labouring a little bit against Montiel in a fight when we expected to, him to knock the guy out. Jamel here didn't do anything conclusively to win the fight. He wasn't necessarily active enough. As he said himself afterwards, Derek James was telling him he needed the knockout, and I thought he did too. It was a close fight.
3: Yeah, I mean, I had, uh, had Castaño up by one uh, going into that last round, so obviously when winning that round, uh, Charlo I had that draw. Um, if you, if I was re- absolutely forced to pick a winner maybe go back and score it, I would probably need to set aside with Castaño, um, I thought he was absolutely excellent there last night. So was the entire card. Praise be Al Haman. But you know this this fight, you know, it was really good. And I feel sorry for Castaño to a point because that one seventeen one eleven card is is far too wide. As I say, Castanio by one two possibly, but definitely nothing wrong with a draw. I just can't see how you can give Charlo more than what six rounds. Unfortunately, uh, it's just the way it is. I mean, I thought Castanio was. You know, that's how he fights. He goes on the front foot. He was tagging uh, Charlo pretty early doors, right hands. Um, Charlo was kinda like more kind of fight off the back foot, jabbing. I know, I know he's got a good jab in that, but there were a lot of that jab getting caught in gloves or just getting blocked entirely. Um, and then obviously the, the round three, you know, he got badly hurt twice. Well, maybe badly hurts, maybe a wee bit too much, but he got hurt um, off the left, took twice, uh, almost dropping him. And it was, it was a kind of quiet round. I thought you outworked him. Uh, Castanio outworked Charlo in round four. Um, Derek James is telling him, well, listen, you're giving rounds away here. You've got, you got to remain on the front foot. And again, Castanio, again, I, I think with some of these, these, these rounds and that as well, I think Castanio might be left a wee bit late to actually, you know, drag himself back into the round. such I always say, it? and it kind of like... It's like everything else. If if you if you do well in the last latter half of that round, it's something that the kind of judges pick up on. He looked great, but they kind of forget about what happened for the last you know for the last ninety seconds or whatever, uh, or the first ninety seconds of the round. Um, but just go back. James is telling him, you know, stop backing up, stop backing up. And it wasn't until really like to so the latter half of the fight that Charlo finally was on the front foot, especially after hurting Castanio in, in, in the manner of what he did. Um, you know, he just couldn't finish the show for whatever reason. Um, He came out early in Round 11, I thought, trying to kind of, you know, try and put it on Castaño, but, you know, he managed to get Charlo to kind of fight again off the back foot, Castaño, so he's kind of pushing it back to him. Um, He looked to recover to me at least, but um, he was looking slightly more responsible, shall we say, with his defence, you know, because usually he was kind of going in there, right hands, body shots, really kind of like forcing Charlo to kind of try and work off the ropes, maybe counter off the ropes uh, as well, but... Um it was just it was just a heavy weather fight. And that's what, because of Castanio's age, um, being the B side and that I don't know if he's ever going to get another chance. As good as that, he potentially win a, a, you know a breakout fight, shall we say? Um you could maybe forego the, the the rematch and maybe see what he gets in terms of offers for the Tim Zo fight, maybe take it to Australia, big money possibly. Um at, at this point he's gonna be what his early thirties, um, newly married. He's one of the biggest paydays. And to be honest, he's he's a, he is a very competent fighter. No elite, but he is, he is you know, how he fought there last night is how he fights. He attacks the small raids. You know, he tries to kind of fight behind the jab. He does a lot of circling from time to time. And he's aggressive and they all press the action. And just, it, you know, it was, it was tantamount as to how badly hurt he was in that round 10. Um, we'll get to Steve Weisfield and the, and, and the score and stuff. I mean, he gave that 10th round ten eight. Um I was going to ask a question if anybody would actually score at ten eight because um, even though it was pretty much a dominant round to me at least, unless his arse hits the canvas, I ain't Scott I ain't scored that a ten eight round. I'm sorry, but uh, no, I think you're right, weird. Andy. I
0: think I think sometimes there's definitely a call for it to be a 10-8 round. And I'm sometimes a little bit perplexed and a bit annoyed that they don't do it more often. But it seemed last night like it was a bit overkill. Like I'm calling for it, but not then. I mean, I've seen people way hurt worse and only get a 10-9. And in that case, I would yeah. do. But this time, I'm not so sure it was warranted. Well, it was. It was hurt, wasn't
3: it? But I think he still had enough enough his senses about him because he was he was looking to buy time. He was in survival mode. He was. He was. He was. He was, he was... He was wary enough to back off and just try and buy that time, get through the round, and you know his corner told him he's going to come out like a freight train here in round eleven. And Chalo did, as I say, he started very quick in that eleventh round, but then it seemed to peter out. And then you see Castanio kind of gradually then pushed him back, like he had done for the majority of the fight, backed him up, and really kind of like got up to kind of fight again. But um, just uh, just sections of that fight, especially some of the rounds that Castanio won, I thought he was dominant in some of the rounds that he won. But, um, again, it, 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 scoot your heart back to the fact that it was a really good fight, but here we are again, just at the fucking bullshit of boxing again. 117-111 scorecard is just it's, boxing always drops something shady in here, doesn't it? It always does. I mean, Nelson Vasquez has really basically been handed the torch to him, by the way. I mean, you've got Julie Lederman for the past, Tricky Dicky Cole, Don Trella, Terry O'Connor, C.G. Ross, Adelaide Bird, Ian John Lewis. <laughs> you know, I mean, Christ, you know, these, guys, these guys are meant to be going to the Hall of Fame soon or something like that, or some of them are actually in the Hall of Fame. So, this listen, congratulations to Nelson Vasquez for total fuck-up. 170, absolute nonsense.
0: Can we not make a case slightly for the Mandy and say, you know, it's a couple of close rounds, maybe. You yeah, take, suppose... take two or three close rounds to go in someone's favour to suddenly skew a, a decent card into a bad well, one?
3: Again, I suppose. I mean, you know yourself, mate. Looking at a fight at at ringside, you know, you've only got one vantage point. We've got replays at home and stuff. We can take our time to follow the scorecard. To just give it a wee extra bit of thought. And I know what you're saying, but again, could the judges see that Charlo's jab was actually landing all that time he was throwing it? You know, especially mm. doing it off the back foot. And you know how often he was on that back foot. Was that jab constantly landing? Did they see him land that jab? Um, he was hooking a lot as well, trying to kind of like, you know, get shots to the body. The right hand obviously came into play as well. But I just don't think Charlo was active enough for, for you know a large swaths of that fight. He just was not active. And when he finally did get active, he got serious about business. He almost took the guy out. So you often wonder you now. People need to remember, so Charlo was supposed to win here last night. right? A lot of mm. people picked him by decision uh, by, by knockout. I picked him to win by decision even though I wasn't on last week. Right? But Daniel almost upset it. To a lot of people, who did upset that at the, uh, um, you know, Apple cat there last night. But to then have the guy almost beat you, and then to say that he's pound for pound rate and stuff, you know, it just, it just doesn't sit right. It just doesn't sit right. A rematch, indeed, if not, then i like to see him get a big payday with Tim Zoo for Castaño. I mean, the guys, the guy's, I know he probably doesn't deserve it, whatever, because like he's boxed and that, but he deserves better than that. 117 11, 117 11 is just absolute bullshit.
0: I must admit, when it comes to judging and scoring and that, I used to do the uh, ringside scorecards for the Sunday Life newspaper and I knew the next morning it was going to be in print there for everyone to see, and I'm not going to lie, I used to brick it, man, thinking, if I put in a bad scorecard or something, then I'm going to get Pelters here, and I was the night Frampton fought Scott Quigg, I had it, I'm pretty sure I had it 118, 110 to Frampton, huh? and then when the, when the, whenever the score come in, and like it was a split decision, like and it was 115, 113 to Quigg, I was thinking, oh shit, man, I completely bollocks this one up, and I was talking to people at signed a couple of people I think Matt Christie from the Boxing News was one of them he had it the same as me it might have been 117, 111 or one eighty nine nine rounds for three I think it was something like that and he says oh I had it the same as you and I was like oh thank God for that but every time Andy I put in a scorecard oh, right. I was I was breaking it that I was going to be way off or something the next morning but luckily yeah. I never was
3: I remember one of the nights actually I did that with Burns against Gonzalez I think it was and uh, I think I might have had burns up because again, this is again—you've only got the one view at, at ringside. And you, you've <laughs> only got, got the happy day of having to actually replay. And I'm sure I had burns up like, by a point at the time of the stoppage, and I was getting pillars up here. So I came back, came literally three in the morning, watched that again, said to myself, right, okay, I had Gonzalez a point up then after watching the replay, and that. So it is hard, you know. But I just think you know, considering how the fight went, how how the tone of the fight went—that you had the guy, put, you know, Castañeda was pressing that fight for the mass, the vast majority of that fight. And a lot of guys will say, look, listen, if you're pressing the fight, trying to make the fight, they're going to favour you. They're definitely going to favour Especially, anyway, if, if you're like myself, not like I prefer more aggressive fighters And that. Then, then yeah, you, you're going to favour Castanio. But I just thought, in the end, the last three rounds specifically, you know, massive rounds for Charlo, and that's but for him at least, got, got my draw on my scorecard.
0: Yeah, well said. I always think to myself that if I don't always favour the aggressor or the guy who's forcing the fight, but I wasn't particularly sure that Charler was doing that much more at times. Uh, Dez in the chat says Derek James was good in the corner. I agree. I think Derek James is an excellent trainer. Mentioned him as one of the best trainers in the world. In our discussion the other week, Hamed says, Robbery, that was the final straw. No point watching boxing. Heyman is a crook. Going to let that slide, Hamed. Going to let that slide just this once. Andrew Thicket says, I'm not sure the Charlo is a higher world-class level. In other decades, they'd likely be lower world level. Perhaps promotion and hype are pushing the narratives more than the results. During a period where Americans are not as dominant as they were previously, I had Castanio by two. I think with social media and TV, you see more of, of fighters than you would in the past. Every single f- fault that they make, whereas in the in the past they might have uh, got up to TV level and, and this kind of level a lot later, so they might be more polished. That could be complete bullshit, Andrew. You never know. That's just my summation. Uh, Donny, baseball is on the core with us. Delighted to have Donny as always. How are you sounding there, sir? I hope I'm sounding good. You're sounding fantastic, Donny. Great to have you with us, uh, So mu- much like Castagno's fight with Erislandi Lara, he's a good fighter who seems to make these big fights close. Maybe Badu-Jack syndrome. I think, though, talking about it strategically, I, I made my notes and I said that Charlo's power seemed to make Castagno reluctant to engage and come inside early on, which was part of that battle of styles. Charlo utilised his size advantages at times really effectively, and that made it difficult for Castagno to work consistently. For any large part, we said it's going to be either Charlo dictating the pace or Castaño dictating the pace. And I thought through his jab and his power, Charlo did a good job, particularly early on and then later on, of winning that battle of styles.
5: Well, what I thought happened was, is that Castaño took, um, he got rocked in the, was it the second? Yes. And he got rocked in the second, but then he came through that. And I think he kind of decided for himself, all right, I'm, I'm shorter. Uh, I don't have the reach. I took his power and I'm still here. So I'm going to come bring this fight to him. Not, you know, in a reckless way, but in an intelligent way, uh, you know, sort of, uh, he would kind of, he didn't necessarily jab his way in. He would kind of wait for a, a pause, uh, between the Charlo jabs. Then he would just get inside and start, uh, and start, uh, you know, wailing away and, and, and using, uh you know, basically crouching down, making himself small, making him a, a harder target to find. And he was landing three and four punch combinations. Uh, I thought his style was, you know, you could critique it or whatever, but it was, it was effective. It was working for him on that night. And it worked for him basically from rounds three all the way into those last three rounds, really. I mean, it, I thought it worked for him all the way through. Um, I was... Uh, very impressed with what he had to do. I I definitely didn't go into this thing thinking that he was going to win. Uh, But, you know, in the middle of the fight, I was, like, rooting for him because it seemed as if he was the guy in there that really wanted it. And, you know, Charlo was just trying to do enough to keep uh, Castaño off of him Uh, until, of course, uh, Charlo's trainer uh, decided to to really, you know, kind of hype him up and tell him, Uh, Going into the tenth, that he needed a knockout, and then and then and repeated that same advice all the way through uh, the twelfth round, and that seemed to turn him around. Uh, My beef with this fight isn't that you know isn't the outcome. I mean, a draw is a reasonable outcome, Um, but I had really a lot of trouble giving Charlo six rounds. I certainly would have a lot of trouble giving him more than six rounds, and it's just like you know every time there's like an A side fighter and he's fighting at home. You know, and it's like the other guy has to be perfect in order to win. And if he's not perfect, then he's going to get a draw. And if he's less than uh, perfect, then he's, you know, he's going to lose. In order to give that fight to Charlo, in my opinion, he has to get the benefit of the doubt at every single turn. He's got to get, you know, every single close round. And it seems like that's exactly what they gave him. Uh, And on top of that, even the judge that gave Castano the fight, Steve Weisfeld, uh, seemed to be doing everything he could to try to screw him with that 10-8 round, uh, you know, in the 10th. Um, you know, that isn't the sort of of round to give somebody a 10-8. I often, uh, and I've said this before, but I use, uh, you know, con Maidana round 10 as my sort of barometer for what a, a 10-8 round should look like if it doesn't involve a knockdown, which is that you just have to get, batter the guy from pillar to post and have him, you know, basically wobbling all over the ring uh, like someone who came out of a pub uh, on a Saturday night, you know, and that's and that wasn't that didn't that doesn't characterize what Castanio looked like in that round. So I thought that that was a, a poor choice as well. Um, and 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 it's always the case, too. It's like, all right, that was just one great chance. And I'm sure because of his age and everything and because of the mandatories, they'll find some way to to delay this rematch. And by the time the rematch happens, like, you know, it'll be advantage Charlo again. It's just like, you know, I get frustrated sometimes. This is a great sport, but it's it always seems like the guys that, you know, the establishment wants to win, that the promoters want to win, that Al Heyman wants to win, they just get every single advantage. And for the other guy to get that win, you know, he's got to be flawless. And, uh, you know, I, that's what I found most frustrating on the night.
0: Yeah, if you're looking to find a conspiracy theory or something, Weissfeld's 108 certainly gives you that ammunition because it it's almost as if he's like shit this fight's uh, close I'm going to have to try and tighten this up in some way. It, it almost balanced it out in to give Charlo the draw or give in the victory in Weissfeld's eyes. I'm not saying there was any corruption involved, obviously we'll never know, but it it, it did reek of that. And a, uh, one thing I was going to say to you was I thought that one thing Charlo did do well, we've mentioned his ex- excellent jab trying to land the counter hook the fact that Castagno was too small to sit on the outside, Charlo knew that he had to stay off the ropes, he had to use his jab, and he had to dominate centre ring. I thought, when he did that, those were his best rounds. His trainer Derek James knew he had to do that. Charlo knew he had to do that. Mm -hmm. So, what was the reason why he didn't do that more often? Was it down to Castagno closing the distance? Was it down to his abilities? Because sometimes we say, oh, a fighter didn't do this, he didn't do that, didn't do the other. Yeah, but there was another guy, like, forcing him, making him do things. Was it down to that? Or, does Charlo just not trust his gas tank?
3: Well, I was going to say, I it's the gas tank, possibly. I mean, Kista- yeah, maybe he got a wee bit kind of put off as well by Castanio's pressure as well. And maybe just getting a wee bit kind of like, obviously, oh, as Donnie says, and that said as well, he got caught early, round three, with the dude, do, 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 sort of two left hooks that really badly hurt him, almost dropped him. And I think at that point, look, I think he be a wee bit more responsible here, box behind the jab, but you know, box behind the jab and they, you know, step in the right hand. But as I say, he just couldn't do it because Castanho was really laying it on him. And at times when he was, you know, really kind of like supposedly getting the better half of the shall we say, because would always, you know, at some point, kind of like lead in and uh, really kind of like take the latter half of the rounds to him. So I think it's it's, it's a bit of both, really. He's, he'd be kind of wary of the, the pressures coming at him, his gas tank, and he's just kind of trying to manage it as well. But you often wonder as well as, you know, was it a good idea to maybe kind of you know do what he didn't in, in the last few rounds of early doors? Possibly not. Maybe whether being have been a wee bit fresh, could maybe have maybe taken him out in that, but you know, at, at elite level, shall we say, or at world level, you know, he didn't want to be doing that because he just takes one shot. And these guys didn't, didn't get lucky with their shots. And that. It's not like Joanne Nelson says, Oh, it was a lucky punch. And that. these guys are trying to throw these type of punches. Um, so, yeah. You know, and I, know I was going to mention about Castagno as well as, as being the B side. Yeah. You know, remember as well him traveling the road uh, to France as well when they beat Michel Soro. They tried to fuck him on the scorecards there as well. 116, 112, I think it was in on one of the scorecards. They then tried to fuck him up with some sort of kind of you know, something to do with a drug test and that as well. I think um, was, was nobody involved. They then went back over to France, knocked a guy out or something to do with his, his money getting withheld. I don't think he got paid or didn't he get the, the, you, know, you know the full purse. You know the Errol Lara fight. You know he didn't get the decision in that one. Potentially people maybe had one won in that fight. And then again there last night. You know and against Tixera, I expect him to knock him out in that fight because I, I didn't really rate Tixera. So I just think you know. B side is a guy who is a guy like Castanio, really, isn't he? But um, I just I just feel a little bit kind of disappointed for him because last night would have changed his life. I think there the last night. And you can guarantee this much: if Castanio had really got the nod there last night, you wouldn't have Charlo saying after the fight, "Oh, I'm going to take a break in he boxing." It's been my fight. I know I know he's got a newborn in the in, in the family and that, but there'd be no way Charlo would, would be saying, "I'm taking a break" if he lost that fight later last night.
0: I thought his post fighting interview was a bit frustrating, Andy, because every time he felt like he was gonna say something, what he really felt, he sort of started going off into we lions, we yeah. train hard, you know, and all this type of shit, man. Tell us what tell us what you think. Jim Gray tried to get it out of him, but he wasn't biting.
3: Yeah, that's it. I think i seen an interview with Derek James. I don't know what network it was with again. It was one of those YouTube ones and that. And uh, even he was flim-flamming over it and that. And th- this is the guy who was saying, like, during rounds, look, listen, don't give up centre ring. Stay off the ropes. You need a knockout to win the fight. He was, he was basically telling him before the 12th round, you need a fucking knockout to win this fight. And he didn't get it. But then he's saying, look, listen, he should be more active, more jabs and that. But there was no real, real honesty saying, look, listen, yeah, we got lucky there last night, or we got lucky the other night, and that maybe lucky with with that draw. I mean, he's he's, sitting, he's standing on he's sitting on his he's on his knees there last night, waiting that decision coming in. His brother in his ear, just saying, look, we're, we're cool, we're cool here, that but I, I just think as people say, is he's he's maybe just not got the tank to be absolute elite level. He is he is a good fighter without <laughs> doubt, but he's I just don't think he's got the tank really. And I think as well as look, he had you had Castanio badly hurt and you had two rounds to, to, to basically end the fight, and he couldn't do it. He couldn't get it done. And this is a guy who spent a good part of the fight on the back foot. You would think maybe conserving energy, shall we say, but he just couldn't get the job done. And sometimes, you know, at an elite level, guys, you know, the top fighters will always find their way to get the
5: job done.
0: You want to jump in there, Donnie?
5: Well, yeah, I was just going to say what was frustrating is is that, like, you know, look, I understand that Al Hammond's a very fa- powerful figure in the sport and that, you know, a lot of these guys will be like, well, it's always up to Al Hamman, you know, when they ask, when Jim Gray or when, you know, whomever is asking him what's next. But, you know, you just had a draw for a unification fight, you know, which is unprecedented. There's never been anybody that's ever unified all four belts in the 154-pound division. And Jim Gray says... Do you want the rematch? I mean, I want a fighter who's going to say, hell yeah, because I want to make history. And I want to, you know, I think I want now. I don't think Charlo won, but I want to hear Charlo say, yeah, I think I won this fight. And anybody who doesn't think I didn't win it, I'm going to go out there and prove it. You know, and instead he's like, well, I don't know. we got to talk to my manager, Al Heyman. I mean, give me a fucking break. Like, I mean, where's the fire? You know, where's the desire for greatness? Uh you know, I I felt that that was lacking, and I thought that that was disappointing. Um, and also, one other thing I was thinking too is is that uh, you know uh, when they were at when Jim Gray asked him, he's like, "Well, when you're a fighter, I'm sorry, when your trainer told you that you needed a knockout to win the fight, and blah blah blah." All I could think back to was uh, when Paul Williams fought landi Lara and got his ass completely handed to him by Lara, <laughs> <laughs> and then so uh, so then <laughs> Larry Merchant. Gets up into the ring and uh, and he says, "Well, Paul, you know, uh, you, you know your uh, your trainer told you you needed a knockout to win the fight." And almost like in a cult-like unison, his entire family from South Carolina who was there at the fight goes, "Oh no, no, no! That was just motivational." But like literally, <laughs> like literally, all ten of them said it on cue, like they had a like they had a gun to their head. <laughs> but. Uh,
0: it was a bit like that last night as well with Derek James. About He didn't really answer it, did he? Yeah. He said, well, I trust and respect my trainer. It was all quite non-committal.
5: Yeah, yeah, it was, it was uh, a very politically correct uh, and cautious interview. Uh, but I wanted him to be the kind of fighter who says, yeah, I want to go out and destroy everybody and I want to unify these belts. And, uh, you know, that wasn't what we saw, uh, which was disappointing.
0: Yeah, I agree. It doesn't really fit in with the Charlo's demeanour, the angry snarling lions you'd think he'd want to go straight out and rectify, right this wrong in his eyes, but the fact that he didn't Says a lot about how he thought the fight was going. I don't think all of Castagno's output was landing clean, but Charlo just really wasn't doing very much of anything during those middle rounds. And Castaño, as the boys have said, was badly hurt in the 10th round. I don't think people really seem to realise on the commentary team at first. Castagno was running around. He was wobbling all over the place. Charlo must hit like Wilder. That's what Mauro Mar- Ranallo was saying. He must be on some powerful juice. And as for Castaño... I think he's a real confidence fighter. He needs to land a couple, even at the end, in that last 30 seconds. He gave himself belief by throwing back the belief that I can win this fight. But Charlo's definitely the puncher from somewhere. Who knows? And Castagno gave a great account of himself. Uh, let's Just before we go into the people from the chat, Donny, I don't want to veer off uh, topic too much, but before we go on to the undercard, I thought this was quite an interesting exchange. Terence Crawford obviously has no love for the Charlo's friend, Errol Spence. He tweeted out saying something to the words of the effect of twin Charlo. If you want to be pound for pound, you're going to have to do better than that and Juan said that's what happens when you fight the best in your division you get into close fights Something you haven't done it well to it, even though you've been there for four years Terence Crawford says yeah I know I know Law." and then Leon says all these clowns talk all this shit but never got in the ring Tony Bell you will have to do it blah 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 what <laughs> about the Crawford what about the Crawford comment that's quite interesting isn't it yeah I know I know Law. what's he saying there Jim?
3: <laughs> I could also did you know, mention something else about him um, as well like yeah I could say something along the lines of Look, that Chalo's good, but before the fight, you've seen nobody gave Castanio a chance. Never calling Castanho the best in the division. It just shows uh-huh. you how it just flams and flips uh-huh. over after after one fight, you know. Uh-huh.
1: What do
0: you think, yeah, Don?
5: That 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 comment to, to me, me yeah. sounds sounds like uh, Terence Crawford maybe taking a hike. Uh, Does uh, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Out of uh, out of the, the top rank uh, stable.
0: Do you think he needs to do that, Don? I know you haven't been on recently to have this discussion. What do you think? Time to to hook it.
5: Well, I mean, yes. Uh, I mean, in a different day and age, uh, maybe that wouldn't be necessary, but, uh, just given the absolute, you know, intransigence excuse me, intransigence, uh, that exists uh, on both sides of the promotional divide, uh, all the fights that, you know, are going to make him, uh, I mean, he's already hall of fame, but I mean, all the fights that are going to cement his legacy and also make him a lot of money are just simply on the other side of the street. And, uh, You know, I mean, Bob's done as well as he could do for him, you know, with the fights that he could make. But, you know, uh, there's just no desire between the two promotional outlets uh, to make these fights. And it's not the thing is, is that, you know, for whatever reason, um, maybe it's because you don't have a Floyd like character involved, but there's not somebody like that's such a big superstar that's big enough. To like to make it worthwhile to make it, you know what I mean. Like in other words, mm. like if you've got two guys that are two mega stars, two superstars, it'll still be worth it for both promotional entities to just sort of push their chips in the middle of the table and say, "Okay, let's make this fight," because you know what, there'll be money in the rematch and so on and so forth. But for these two guys, like they they're not quite there yet in in terms of their star power. So for those reasons, you know that you you just simply can't make the fight unless they're under the same umbrella. And obviously if I'm Spence, you know, there's a lot of great options where I am. I don't want to move, but for Crawford, there's nobody. So he's got to move.
0: Yeah, Crawford, get on your bike and get the hell out of there. Just to remind you at home, in case you've wandered in confused, you are listening to the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast, episode 432. That's Donnie Baseball. You heard there, Andy Patterson, me, Steve Wellings. Let's see what kind of pond life is swimming around in the chat at the moment. In the most endearing way, of course, gentlemen and ladies. Richard Wetton's here, Jimmy Tappy, M Lithgow, 1983, Simon Hill, Michael Thompson, Take Ames is with us. Always good to see Ames. PB. Who else we got? Uh Hamed, Johnny Horsecock Nelson. If I miss you out, by the way, just hit me up and I will give you the desired shout out. Simon Hill might have mentioned him already. There's two shouts for you. If I have, let's float on up here. Des is always with us. Good to see Dez. Hi, God plodder. Andrew Thicket over on Facebook, The Zodiac. Trying to get everybody in here. Boxing Channel, Kaiser Koba, David Gorn. Uh, might have pronounced that wrong, David. Apologies if I have. Who else we got? Don't want to miss anybody out. We're all inclusive on the Boxing Asylum podcast. Callum B is with us as usual. Mr. James Leadbeater, Patreon extraordinaire. Patreon.com forward slash Boxing Asylum if you want to join him. Uh, James Windsor. Final few here is Craig, Liam Wynn, Ben Thorns. Who else we got? Let's hit two more, shall we? Come on, boys. Go and Davis. And finally, Barney Douglas. Welcome to you as well. Let's go on to the undercard then. Yep, absolutely. If you want to get Porky on the call tonight, hit us up with a super chat pledge. 50 quid, we'll get Porky on the call. Ring him live. He might not answer, but you never know. We'll leave him a voice message. 50 quid gets Porky on the call. Justin Robinson has got us off to a solid start with a fiver. Another 45 quid if you want to get Porky on the call. Get your hands in your pockets, everybody. Okay, on to the undercard then, Andy. Rolando Romero against Anthony Yigit Is Rolando Romero the angriest man in boxing? Oh, what? oh my, I, I don't... You know what? He might be a lovely guy. I was looking at his box record and he's got a nice smile and I think, you know what? Maybe I've got him misunderstood. Just <laughs> seems like an absolute <laughs> arsehole.
3: <laughs> oh, mate, he's an absolute weapon, there, man, that. Nah. Um, I've watched his... I've, I've new come across his last three fights. Nah. Last time i seen Jackson Mourinho's absolute gifted decision. You talk about, you know, one eighty one ten scorecard that he got. Nah, that was an absolute abomination, that one. He is... Honestly, on the, he's like the Eminem guy, constantly angry at his mother by the sounds of it or looks at it and that. He's nowhere near as good as what he thinks he is either. Um, and I will I'll tell you this much, though, is he, he, he's got some front to call it Gervonta Davis. And I want to see that fight because uh, I'm pretty convinced that Gervonta Davis will humble that kid. Um, his footwork is awful, defense is leaky. He's got that Nazim muhammad vibe about him. Um, I know you, you were saying that, that Naz was a bit kind of like tongue in cheap with some of his stuff and that, but this guy's just straight up violent, nasty. I don't know what his background is or whatever. And I know that I'm complaining, but he is a dirty fighter. And I, I don't mind dirty fighters, providing that they're you know that they're good technical, solid fighters. But I, I just don't rate this guy, and his powers know what it is. I don't think. Um, and he's fighting a guy here. Who let's be honest, right? Really, he hasn't fought in two years. He was changed, he was scheduled to fight at one forty on that card. Gets gets a call on one week's notice to take the replacement, right? Now, what was he weighing before he was trying to make one forty? Who knows? And when does he make his cut? Now, try and add an additional three. Eh, sorry, an additional five pounds onto that. The Guys probably just went. Ah, no chance, man. I'll just take the fine and I'll just take whatever I can take. Um, you know, for, you know the, um, the knockdowns, uh, the shots, and that were were, were pretty violent. Um, I just think the way he throws shots sometimes is that he's going to end up with hand problems. He's going to end up you know, clipping something that he shouldn't clip. Just need to see a wee bit more finesse, film. Um, but certainly, you know, he's going to be one of these guys that he's, he's, he's going to talk himself into being absolutely hated. You heard the crowd there last night when they <coughs> when they got the got the stoppage up on the ring apron and that up on the ropes. He's getting booed at the arena, so he just uh, plays the heel for here on, in, and he'll, he'll, cre- he'll create some buzz. He'll get some money, and. Uh, and we'll wait and we'll pray that he gets knocked out at some point. And I dare say, when when if that Davis fight's happen, which you think it's probably going to be in the off though, actually, because I don't know both way with Floyd. I think this guy's with Floyd as well. Um going to
0: destroy but... him, I think,
3: Andy. I know, I know, mate. This is why I want to see it, though. Because as you say, the guy is the angriest dude, and we'll see what he's all about. That Jackson Marinus fight, I mean, he needs to give that guy a rematch. Obviously, he's had a, a loss after that Richard Comey fight. <coughs> so. He probably can kind to of get some past that, but um, if he's calling him out at this point, that you know, fair play to him. But he's it uh, could end badly. Like,
0: yeah, I agree with that. Fair play to him for wanting the fight. But he, he has those elbows and that long sort of off balance power, A bit like O'Hara Davis kind of style. But yeah, very awkward. Romero, Donny heads, elbows, pushes people. He's off balance himself. He sides up. He squares up. He's always looking to land that big shot. I think even though his technique is poor, he definitely can punch. But I do think Romero's a loss waiting to happen. As Andy said, he probably has already suffered a loss to Jackson Marine, as if we're being honest.
5: Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> he d- he definitely uh, can play a, a heel character uh, or a villain. Uh, he does punch hard, but, uh, but does ultimately seem to be, I think, limited... Uh, if he were to step up to top level against the likes of uh, Tank Davis or or others uh, in a a talent-rich neighborhood from 130 to 140.
0: Keep an eye on him. Uh, what about Yagit quickly, Andy? He's very awkward as well. First fight with Herman kakado Not sure he has much more to offer than maybe being a bit of a high-class B-side until he, he keeps on getting beaten up. He, he slaps a bit with the left hand. I think Al Bernstein nailed it, really. Yagit, he's a, a non-puncher who fights like a puncher. And it just seemed like a matter of time before Romero caught him. He just doesn't got the power to maintain right. that style against big, big punchers.
3: I say he's a solid European level fighter. Mate. I know he's ex-European champion, etc. And remember that fight with Branchick. He's 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 eye badly swelling up. It was uh, he has he's got a lot of heart in that. But as you see, he as he's he's got his level. It, so you, for me. He's at European level. He's not, a non-puncher. Uh, it's just unfortunate. But it, look, it's up to him as well. I, mean, he, I, I think he was he was definitely in the he was in the the world boxing super series, wasn't he? Yeah. I got that yeah, wrong. yeah, he lost yeah, to yeah, baroncy, oh, didn't he? Ah, that's right. it ah, yeah, was that uh, thing. So I, I dare say that, that was the first series. So I'm imagining that. Um, uh, sorry, six series, I'm that that money would be pretty handy in that. So the sounds of it as well. He's he's quite a clever guy. He's he's got a lot of kind of linguistic skills, as Mike would say. Um, and, uh, he's probably got other things outside the box in that as well. But at this point, late late twenties. Um. Again, I don't know what his promotional situation is and that, but he's he's clearly kind of been over the road, fights in Sweden, Germany, UK, America and that. You say a B side journeyman, possibly coming up maybe a gatekeeper for some of the kind of other guys and that. But um, at what weight needs to be at one forty, obviously and that. I mean, I think it was it was off it was. It was a huge ask, I think, to basically kind I of get him down to one, uh, 135 there, uh, to be honest. But I don't think he's made 135 in, I don't know how long, to be honest with you, actually. Or if he's ever ever, ever even made it before. But uh, I think that's, that's basically, basically him at his, at his last chance of getting that kind of world title level fight, shall we say. I know it was an RBA bollocks title again there last night, which we'll get on to in way the Week in that.
0: But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Let's see what happens. The what the the, the Super Chats are flying here. Justin Robinson's thrown in two, as far as I'm aware. So that's a tenner. Michael Thompson's thrown in 250. Let's do some mathematicals live here. So Jimmy Cappy's thrown in a fiver as well. Um, Lithgow has uh, 1983 has thrown in a fiver. Um, maths was never my strong point at school, but I think we're down to sort of uh, in the 20s now, I would imagine. I'll top that up in a minute, but we're going we're going down. In every sense of the word, let's see if we're gonna have to end up making Porky at this right hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's
3: looking like it, mate. Uh, it's looking like it. I think he'll come on. I think he want to come on to discuss the boxing about a banter on that. I would imagine. I don't think he'll, uh, uh, he'll reject us.
0: Yeah, just make sure you turn up. Jimmy Tappy there has thrown in a fiver, as I said. Make Porky turn up. Michael <laughs> Thompson exerting my money into the situation. M. Lithgow uh, 1983 didn't leave us a message. But we get the meaning from him and Justin Robinson as well. So thank you, boys. I'll top that up then.
5: Don't uh, okay. don't, don't tell Porky that you did like a fundraiser to get him on, otherwise he might want a piece of the action here.
3: Nah, well he knew that. We've seen this for the last couple of weeks that we would, uh, if we could get fifty quid across one show, we would like phone him up live in air and just let him run away about anything he wanted to.
0: We libelous, did before. Wait, yeah. well, oh, remember the ID? Isaac threw in us the fifty quid to get him on.
3: Yeah, exactly. So if it's libelous, Donnie, you can defend them or defend yeah. us actually.
5: At that point, I want a couple of them cookies from the kids. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. Oh, that was great. <laughs> Let's
0: see if I still got it. Let's see if I still got it on here. Actually, I'll play it if I have. Let's have a look. Don't no, I don't think I've got that one. Oh, unfortunately, no. don't think I've got that one. There you go. Good old Porky. Yeah, he can he can have a couple of quid off of his if he wants, which is all that's left by the time um, uh, super uh, YouTube have taken their course But there you go. Let's go on to the undercard. Who else have we got then? We've got uh, Amilcar Vidal Jr. against Emmanuel Aleem. Great fight. Th- yeah, it was a really good fight, Andy. I thought Aleem did enough to at least get the draw. Again, the scores were too wide. Aleem, working with Ronnie Shields for the first time, used his jab early on, floating around this huge ring, trying to stay out of the way. thought he, he did a good boxing job, to be honest, Mr Aleem.
3: Yeah, he did actually, you know, Vidal, he walks at the distance without really kind of setting up his shots and that, but it's all, you know, it's just a complete power puncher, you know, he's got a bad left hook to the body, you know, hurt lean numerous times, with it, especially in the sixth round, you know, the first one they landed, I was like, oh, you bastard, that looks so, and then they came back with the second one, eh, that really kind of doubled him up a wee bit and that, but if eh, fair played a Alim, mate, he, he showed he came to win, you know, it was, eh, it was a good move for him, I think, going to Ronnie Shields, he's got you know decent spar in there, you know, Ronnie's an old head as well, at times, I thought he boxed absolutely beautifully. You know, slipping shots, popping undercuts, slipping at of distance. He showed that he was willing to mix it up on the inside as well. Maybe a wee bit too much, actually. Uh, especially a guy like that, that size. And Vidal looks like he could be a huge middleweight, like, at some point. Um, and I thought even Alim possibly even hurt Vidal briefly in the seventh where I left hook, uh, but kind of, like, staggered him up a wee bit. But, um, as I said, I think Vidal maybe needs to work on his jab a wee bit more. Um, kind of work off it instead of, like, throwing lead shots, using his strength. Just to try and get inside where he does most of his work, and that's not going to work against elite guys or you know world level guys, shall we say? But um, really good fight with some even better rounds. You know, Liam probably tired of a wee bit more than the stretch, but uh, Vidal who looks like he could, you know, as I say, be a big massive middleweight, and that you know he's, he has to see that you know, he can't walk into fights like that. Just thinking he's going to have that mindset of going to blast everybody, um, especially as you if you got got class, and that it's going to be it's going to be hard for him. Um, but he looks an exciting prospect and as for Ronnie Shields and that, he wanted to link to kind of box more uh, and try and get the fight to go to centre ring uh, instead of trying to have a big massive punch up. So maybe that kind of worked against him a wee bit but um I'm trying to remember what the scorecards were now, but I thought, uh, to be honest I thought it was uh, a draw and um, if I really had to pick a winner I thought Vidal maybe just shaded it by a point or something, but I thought a draw would probably be a fair enough result
0: Talking of hot prospects, the prospect of Big P coming on is getting that little bit closer. Richard Ruetton's thrown in a fiver. That's 27.50 in total, 22.50 remaining. And we will hit the pork button before the show is concluded. Uh, Donny Vidal. He gave off a bit of an Alberto Machado vibe to me, which obviously doesn't bode well in the future. Tall, rangy puncher. Pretty slow, but he had those clubbing heavy hands. As Andy mentioned, the body shots were working really well for Vidal. The uppercut was working well for Alim. Vidal, he was missing shots in the middle rounds, which I thought tired him out. And in that fifth round, Abner Mahrez picked up on it. He was definitely tired. And then he came back to hurt Alim in the sixth round with a left hook to the body. And then Alim showed, even though he'd had two years out and he'd been pretty inactive, that he was well-conditioned as well. It was a well-matched crossroads fight this one.
5: Yes, it was. Uh and um I don't know. I, I just uh maybe it's my preference for come forward fighters, but I don't know. It just seemed to me like Videl was kind of running away from him a little bit. Uh and uh, you know, if you're backing up constantly, uh it's very difficult to uh land punches with you know sufficient force to stop somebody in their tracks. So if you keep backing up, then, uh, you give the opponent, you know, a reason to keep coming forward until you're, until you're able to, to land something that's, that's going to gain his respect. And it seemed like midway through the fight, uh, I think Alim had realized that, you know, whatever power he had taken, uh, you know, it was not enough to, to, to knock him out. And I think that, uh, I, I thought that he brought the fight to him and I, I thought Alim should have won, um. And I thought it was unfortunate that he didn't get the decision. Uh, I don't support fighters uh, leaving the ring without giving an interview, um, because at the very minimum, he should have taken the opportunity to go on camera and and uh, you know ask for a rematch and you know get the crowd on his side. Because it seemed like they uh, were booing Vidal uh, when he won. Uh, they seemed to be you know of the opinion that Alimud won. Um, but, uh, but the fact that he walked out, I think can tell you, you know, what you need to know, which is that I think he felt like he got jobbed on the scorecards. And, uh, um, and, and I think the evidence for that was, was pretty clear. Um, you know, could it have been a draw maybe, but, but a win for Vidal, I, I just, I'm sorry, I didn't, I I just didn't see it.
0: Yeah, just finishing up on this one, Andy. I thought the eighth round was really good, real cracking eighth round. And then going down the stretch, they were just both going. For it. Vidal got caught a lot with the left hook. He still got a lot to learn moving back in straight lines. He was bought in to win this one. Both guys come away with credit. Really, I'm not sure where they're located. Let's just check the rankings. Actually, while we're at it, I don't think Alim after uh, two years out will be anywhere. Vidal's number fourteen. With the WBA, I, I think that's fair enough. Yeah, that, that's fair enough, isn't it? He's not really anywhere near a shot, but after a couple of big wins, you could see him moving into that kind of mix.
3: You just don't know me. I mean, as the BA, after all, and, that. and uh, considering how many belts have got in the line, top 15 is all you need to be, and you can get the call. I mean, look, Lee Wood, he's fighting uh, for a world titles you know, shortly. I think he's top 14, top 13, or whatever it is. So he's, uh, at least he's, he's in that mix, at least. He, he, you know, he's in there amongst me. i tell you what a good fight, actually. I don't know if you're done for it, actually. And I, I know he's be, probably be Eddie, and that's so what maybe scuppers it. What about the Carlos Congora against Vidal fight? I think that'd be a crack. That's a fight,
0: great shout. Huh? That'd be a war, that would.
3: Oh, what, man? And I'll tell you what, Vidal, having to wear down Congora, who's got maybe a wee bit suspect chin, but really got that, you know, good good skills about him in that as well. I think it's a really good fight. But um, probably two guys on different sides of the... It's not the political spectrum these days, it's the TV spectrum, isn't it? So, um, maybe we do not get to see that one, but it's, it's something i like to see. Maybe Pittman with Rosario, seeing how he's maybe been fighting PBC before or whatever. Um, and then the one, obviously, who had the big one, uh, Luis Arias, and that as well. Um, so, there is some names from him to have, anyway, if he's wanting to try and get himself into title contention. But, um, just as we're looking at the 160 rankings with the BA, mate, just as to how shocking it is. You know, you've got Sergio Martinez, rank three. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think we can just file that under trash, can't we?
0: I was going to say, I know we're spending a bit too much time on the likes of Vidal for, for anybody's liking, really, but are you surprised given his height and size and reach, he never tried to box a little bit more off that jab? It was all straight in, r- lurching in, high hands, right on top of Ali. At and, and no point did he really stand off and try to do like Charlo yep. did in the main event and use his size advantages.
3: Oh, he just never used his jab, mate, I don't think. And I think that's one thing he's got to try and do. See, he just try to lead up with it or load up and lead with it, the big shots, left hooks, right hands, jab, and just let him kind of hook off the jab if he's got got The jab, dab, jab, right hand. And then once you've got the guy hurt step in my left hook, he doesn't need to kinda of like go balls to the wall. Cause I think, as I say, you know, he was getting caught, you know, we sneaky shots up underneath with uppercuts uppercut snap from a lean. If that is if that is an elite fighter or elite opponent he's facing there last night and that he's in a world of pain, and possibly even pick up his teeth afterwards and that as well. So as I say, he needs to kind of like just tidy up a wee bit more. But certainly he's one to he watched it certainly, but um I think, what some people were thinking as well as I remember expecting them to win by by stoppage here last night as well. So it was good that he kind of he got the distance in him as well, got a few more rounds into his neck and that. But uh, I seen Samson Blackovic, uh, who's who I think he's his manager, I think at this point and that you know ush him away for the ringside uh, and get him into the Argentinian broadcast and that as well. They were desperate to hear from him that. So I think he seems to be getting the big push at least anyway in that. So. Um, I don't know who they're gonna tie him up with next actually to be honest with you, but it says he needs to kind of look at it a bit differently. Stop trying to load up, stop trying to walk forward because again, there's only so many times in your career you can you can keep doing that, especially if you've got to then cut weight and you fight like that. It's a short prime which we've seen with, with Gerard Hurd.
0: Yeah, shout out to Samson Lukovic. I believe he was battling uh, cancer at some point, and he's looking a lot better now. So uh, hopefully, he continues to improve. Uh, finances are continuing to improve. Anyway, on a lesser note, Johnny Horsecock Nelson's thrown in a fiver. He says you all deserve the cash for keeping us entertained, even though YouTube takes 30 percent. Absolutely. And it'll be good to hear from the voice of hardcore boxing. Also, Motor City Cobra has thrown in a fiver. Thank you very much to you. And Jim McDonald says Steve, tell the pig that Big Jim said he's going to have him on a fire with an apple in his mouth when he turns up. That's a fiver from Big Jim. So my calculations say that we have got uh, £7.50 to go before we will fire up the porkster £7.50 to go. Okay, let's have a look at some questions. Uh, rapping Rob Kelly is on route. Haven't heard from any of the other boys, so we'll assume it's going to be me, Andy and Donnie, and maybe Big P before the end of the night. It's absolutely mental, isn't it? You mad bastards. You mad bastards. Right, let's have a look at some of the questions from the boys then.
3: So I was just going think... to say, mate, do you think, think uh, uh, Marty and Gabe's still waiting for Rob to turn up? <laughs> maybe.
0: <laughs> 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 oh, dear, the poor boys, man. <laughs> Could have done with a few super chats, man. They, they, they tried their hardest, fair play. Oh, well, if we make it 100 quid, we'll give them 50. <laughs> I'd be about, well, we'll be left uh, 20, 20, Andy. 20. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my maths are off. Right, okay, so let's go on to this question. We'll go to you, Andy. Uh, from oh, god, who asked this now? Let me see. I want to give them their credit, Craig Mastro, uh, Patreon, a friend of the friend of the pod, uh, Craig Mastro. He's on the WhatsApp. If you join the Patreon, you can join our exclusive WhatsApp group. Everybody's having a great time over there. It's vibrant. Even Hattam is enjoying himself, which says something. Shout out to Hattam. So, did Warrington Lara really sell ten thousand in one day, Andy? Surely that can't be right. Is Craig Mastro accusing Eddie of some uh, falsification here? If Eddie says it sold ten thousand, then I believe him, Andy.
3: Sorry, to be honest, I've actually been out of the loop for the last 10 days with holidays and that, so I don't know what Eddie's been up to or what he's been saying recently and that, but uh, it's a heavenly, like a think, and uh, 10,001 days, a bit of a stretch, I would think.
0: Yeah. What about the fight itself? I mean, obviously, we did the live, we might yeah. do a live on, on the, re, the rematch as well, and Lava, would you say he's going a favourite going in here, given what he showed in the first fight?
3: Um, definitely. I think he's, he's if, if it is, I think he'll be favourable. I just don't know if Josh has really got the power to really kind of turn it on its head. I mean, that guy, that Lara, obviously he shocked everybody in that, but everything, every time he hit Warrant, they seem to kind of hurt him. And I, I'll never forget, was it, was it the five five or six unanswered shots that he landed on Warrant before the first knockdown? And he never really recovered for that. I just don't know. Yeah, I just don't know if it's, it's just, it was a bad move for me all round, I think, because, look as I say, Josh was like, you know, he was a world champion, gave up the title, moved to Eddie, takes this fight, and then he gets stopped in nine rounds. Now he's fighting for the WBA eliminator, you know, in this fight, <laughs> not, a, not a BA belt. But, um, it's a tough one. It really is, and he's got to win it, and, um, I, I wouldn't i wouldn't even go as far as say that he needs to look good winning it. He just needs to win the fight. That's what he's got to do for me, actually, um and we'll wait and see what happens after that. It's, it's a big ask. But what is Headingley's capacity? I would say it's about 20,000, 25,000.
0: No idea. If anybody in the chat knows, let us know.
3: No idea. I don't know if restrictions are lifted either locally down there either, Not so you know, is there any of that involved? Not, but 10,000 in one day is about to stretch Not considering if there's still social distancing going on and all that type of thing, and if there's any you know uh, local restrictions. I don't know what it's like in England just now that, but you know what Eddie's like, man. Eddie, look... Eddie's—we th- seen what Eddie was like when he tried to kind of get all the names uh, uh, when he signed with the zone. Remember that he was going to hmm. put there, rounding off names like he was reading off a shop list. That you know, it's the equivalent of Eddie gone shopping in, in little Will Watros bag when he does that shit, right? It's just there's nothing else he does it. just that's what he does. He just he just picks things up. Everything's every event he puts on is big. It's massive. pay per view it's gonna be stacked cards, gonna be world champions, galore, and all that type of stuff. That's what Eddie's all about. Meanwhile, Al Heyman's put on the real class shows. And that's just why we're spending the best part almost now almost an hour tonight. Discussing three fights were absolutely tremendous, whereas probably in the next Eddie show will be fucking sitting here complaining and moaning about how shite Shannon Courtney's opponent was, and that fights on a on a, on a subscription channel. So Eddie's trying to sell the product, now, is and he and he's uh, he's in a I don't know if he's in a bit a pickle or whatever. I mean, they can't make Canelo against Plant for God's sake. You know what chances is he got to try and make some of these big fights on an obscure TV platform at the point than that. You know, so Andy,
0: it's Charlo fight weekend. You'd be remiss of me not to play this. So, in 10
3: days' time, touch wood, Dazone have the entire roster of middleweight world champions. So, people like Charlo, you ain't, you've no fights for you.
2: If you want to be a world middleweight champion, you better join Dazone ASAP. <laughs> I, didn't him, I
3: didn't see him running ASAP. you going not join, join Dazone.
0: It's funny though, you mentioned about Hayman there Andy, uh, people make you laugh on Twitter, someone was mentioning during the week, I know it's Twitter and everything, but he goes, oh I don't like the PBC, don't like Hayman, they tie up divisions, 154, tying it up, what to unify it, everybody who means anything has fought each other, and then the two best fighters are unifying last night, well yeah, let him continue doing that if that's the outcome. Yep,
3: exactly mate, exactly, and I'll tell you one thing, if you had the the other guys at 135, you can guarantee we'd have had those fights Lined up possibly, or even had some of them by this point as well. just and then we we'll probably had uh, well, we we'll had Wilder Fury for example. You know mm-hmm. that fight came out. Look the blue. at Super
0: Bantam: Fulton, Figueroa, Neri. Mm-hmm.
3: And and Neri's apparently, I seen him making uh, cryptic messages there last night. So I think he's got something big in the coming up. Even though he got stopped in his last fight, you know you've got um, uh, you know you've got Rigondeaux uh, still in there, still. But you got Danair still floating about. He's kind of running, about the PBC network just now isn't he? Just now. Um, who else we got? Yep. Um, off the top of my head, sorry, mate. On you go, I was
0: gonna say you were right about Don should He beat Ubali, didn't he? On a
3: recent headline, absolutely. I'm just trying to get light heavy, he's not really got much at light heavyweight, has he? Um, no, to be honest. And then Cruiser's pretty much a European, that so it's not really kind of hanging else. There's a guy saying the chat there as well, you know, Joe, uh, Josh has obviously got the, the the big backing for the Leeds crowd and that, so maybe, maybe it is possible but he's picked up with 10,000 off, off the Leeds, Leeds United fans. Who knows? And if, you know, what day is that, that event again? I'm just wondering if it's going to tie in my Premier League game that weekend. So, you know how Eddie likes to tie it in with the football as well, you know?
0: Aye, ah, right enough. Yeah. Mr. Dermo says 20,000 for Headingley. Um, the Motor City Cobra says 20,000 as well. So, it'd be a, a big enough crowd, you know, if they, uh, if they get everybody in. Well, it's, it's certainly, it's,
3: it's a big, it would be a big, big achievement, even in this time, because obviously people losing jobs or money might be tight or whatever, and that as well. And uh, you know, a stadium fight no less, you know, it's gonna be it'll be a cracking atmosphere. But as I said, I don't I didn't see any the guys mention it, it's you know potential for or it's gonna open up for a potential uh, you know you know, people can mix or whatever on that. So you just don't know if there's any restriction gonna be in place. But there's another guy who says Look, Josh is probably peaked at this point in that as well. So as I said, he's got to win the fight. He's got to win this fight. Doesn't no matter how any means possible and go on to the next one. That's all he's got to do.
0: Yeah, boys in the chat are coming up with some different ideas. Mr. Dermo said it's the 4th of September. Ian Charlie said lightning doesn't strike twice, Josh wins. But the Motor City Cobra says, I think Warrington is done. The guy that fought Selby isn't there anymore, Donnie. I'm trying to think of um, whether you have any love for Warrington. I know Gabe certainly doesn't, but he's going to be on Skid Row, as our good friend Porky, a £7.50 left, by the way, would say. Uh, Gary Russell's a WBC champ. Josh has lost his title now. He's sliding down those rankings. If he doesn't get the job done against Lara, he could disappear very quickly, which is a shame for, for Warrington, I think. But obviously, if you don't win the fights, you don't get the bigger fights. But he seems to have been trundling along for so long, done great with his career. But I tell you what, it's at tipping point now in this Lara rematch, Donna.
5: I'm sorry, Steve, I, I have trouble hearing you.
0: I'm just saying, Warrington, at a kind of a tipping point in his career here. If he loses to Laura in the rematch, then he's going to disappear as quickly as you've just disappeared off the call. Just Donnie obviously doesn't want to answer that one. <laughs> oh, there we go. Let's move on to something else then, shall we? See if there's any more questions from the boys while we diligently try to get Donnie back again. Uh, this question came in from, let's have a look, who was it indeed? I think it was David over on our new Patreon WhatsApp group. Uh, more of a throwaway comment, but I'll put it out there anyway. Can anyone explain why Marcus McDonald has continual gimp arms when he's refing? I can see what he means about McDonald, but all joking aside, Andy, I think Marcus McDonald, would you say he's one of the stronger British referees at the moment? Um, who would be your favourite? Uh,
3: British refs. Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure, to be honest with you, mate. Marcus McDonald he's okay. I, I'm trying to actually think, actually, you know, but he's be gimp arms about. <laughs> uh,
0: he sort British. of walks around with his little arms up. I know what he means. It is quite an odd.
3: No, that's an odd one. Like, um, well, at one point I mean I was a fan of Richie Davis. I thought he took no BS for fighters. Yeah. And that Victor Lachlan's okay, but he's had a couple of mayors with the judges' uh, scorecards. I think he's a he's a very good ref. I think, but I just think he's a bit a bit of suspect scorecards. That like, I've actually said to him before or asked him questions about scorecards before and that. He just he just ends up saying that's that's how I've seen it, and that's why he justifies it really. So that's it. Uh, Steve Gray, he, um. I don't know, I'm trying to remember, I think he's had a few dodgy moments in that recent, especially with the scorecards. Uh, in terms of the referee, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head.
0: Um, Ian John Lewis still floating about?
3: Is he still getting used, actually? I was just going to ask, is he still... I've not seen him for donkeys now. but see, now, I, I've kind of fell away for the British domestic scene a wee bit and that, eh? because he's just didn't get what you really want nothing on,
0: really, has there? Exactly, <laughs> yeah.
3: Because he, he, well, Frank's putting nothing on, really. I know he got the card on next week, for example. Or nothing worth what?
0: Well, wa- exactly. next week's worth it. Next week's Okay.
3: I think Pat Barrett's got a card coming up shortly and that, but I've not seen Steve Goodwin and that putting it. I think Steve was on the show and that, saying it's not worth our time putting out the shows no. that. So you, you, You've got fighters in his table and that who maybe haven't either get jobs or try and find another promoter and that who can get them work, you know, so we've uh, sort of, with a tangent there, I haven't we? There, are referees to promoters and that, but uh, favourite ref, British-wise? Slum pickings, mate. it really is. McDonald's okay um, and Lachlan's okay. Grays, supposedly, is okay in that. But I uh, say some of the judging has been horrendous early years and that, especially this year.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Donnie's back with us. Donnie, I don't know if you're interested or not, but I'll hit you with this question again. I was asking you about Josh Warrington saying that if he doesn't win this Laura rematch, then he could his career could be in a lot of trouble. And it's it's a shame given that good run of fights that we're not going to see him sort of cashing out against a Russell or a Santa Cruz or somebody bigger.
5: Yeah, honestly, it felt like to me uh, that. That his stock, you know, rose really fast and and then and then now seems to be falling kind of fast. Um, he's still a young guy. I mean, he can't be more than 30, is he?
0: I think he's 30 or 31, yeah?
5: Yeah. Um, you know, to, for a guy to be talking about, well, if I don't win this, my career is over type of thing, um, you know, might actually tell you a little bit about where he is, uh, where he thinks he is, um, you know. I mean, he's always been a fan friendly fighter, and that's why he has such a big uh, following in his hometown of uh, Leeds. But, um, but I mean, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, it, it, it may be the end for him at world level for this particular, you know, stage of his career. Sometimes guys can, you know, leave world level and then come back again a little bit later. But, um, but yeah, for him to stay at, at the, uh, the level that he was at, I think he. this is a must win for him.
0: Well said, Donnie. Josh Warrington is 30. Actually, when I was typing in Josh Warrington to try and find his age, I accidentally typed in John Warrington, and quite a disturbing story here. John Warrington is an ex-Sky sports presenter, and uh, 56-year-old John, two years ago, left his foot in a bloody mess after tripping over a plant pot in his back garden and slicing his toes off with a lawnmower. So it's everyone's worth
4: nightmare there for John oh, Warrington. David, you
3: know, <laughs> that sounds like I must have been bombed in that one. eh? <laughs>
4: What the hell? I've
3: that just stumbled sounds,
4: across John here. That sounds like me doing the gardening myself. Fuck that. That's why you need someone in.
5: I have a, and, and he was, I have a he slew
4: was, of gardeners I can recommend
5: to him, by the way. <laughs> he, he was uh he was at Sky Sports? Yeah, apparently. So, so I that, accidentally typed in John Warrington he, here. It's like he just got his foot in the door, and then what do you know? I mean. hey. <laughs> <laughs>
4: What garden did he injure it in? Eddie's back garden, was it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> he, he, he tripped over Dillian White lying on the grass.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so the, the actual plan. I don't know, was I was up so quick.
0: <laughs> uh, I only took eight seconds. <laughs> eight seconds. <laughs> 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 oh, poor, poor John Warrington, poor John Warrington.
4: Anyway, Rappin' Rob Kelly's with us. Great to have you here, Rob. How are you? Evening, gentlemen. All oh, good. Uh was away last week, I can't... Uh... I, I was, There's was a big party on um, up in the north last week. I don't know if you know about it. Uh, it was on the oh. Falls Road, though, for Italy beating England.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the,
4: the Americans are still waiting for you, Rob. I know, but you are like, God Like I did try and I did suggest a torpedo in the pod beforehand, but it was no. And he said, "We go ahead, no matter what." And for uh, the ten I... minutes before, he's like, "I can't make it." I was like, "Sorry, boys, you're on your own." This <laughs> <weekend."> <laughs> I had to represent for the Azori. How the fuck were they going to win it without me? It was a vital part and all that. Um, can,
3: can I just say there's, there's two, two magnificent bastards in the world, by the way. One is Graeme Souness and the second one is Gregor Cialini. Just put that
4: out there. Would you do? would you do this on your own time? Oh, sorry, mate. Yeah, sick, yeah sorry. Man.
3: We'll do it all fair. Sorry. <laughs>
4: the one time me and Andy are united in football. Unbelievable. Scenes. <laughs> scenes. Um, <laughs> speaking of scenes, I saw, I saw the fight last night, the Castaño-Charlo um, fight. Which Charlo was this guy, by the way? Um, this was jamel's Jamel, Jamel, Jamel.
3: It? Uh, man Jamel, yeah,
4: yeah um the thing about the t- the thing about chilo is that i'm from watching him i've watched him so much at this stage right and for 154 pounder i really don't know what's the best style or what his style of fighting is he's he's long he's rangy he has obviously extreme athleticism and he has good attributes but He's not, his footwork is not good enough to box on the outside. And then on the inside, he stays too upright. Upright And sorry, for the inside and mid range, he's too upright. And then against the guy, I think, I'm, from the eye test to me, I think what's missing really is a ring IQ with Charlo. He, like, Castano throws looping big wide shots, walks forward, right? Good as he is, not taking anything away from him. But he's a fucking straight up and down, no special effects, to quote the fucking man that uh, Charlo was trying to emulate, right? So. Charlo last night, no authority on the jab for the first nine rounds, no switching the levels with the jab, no holding the center of the ring, no cuteness to tie Castanio up and walk him back to the center of the ring. Just fucking let a guy who throws wide and looping shots get mid-range and then voluntarily took the fucking, took to, took to put his back to the ropes. So not taking it, like I said, I'm not taking anything away from Castanio's performance. I thought he won the fight, but Charlo's supposed to be a world beater. Charlo and the two Charlos are supposed to be, they're going to knock Golovkin out, they're going to fucking do this, that, and the third. Have him fucking have a, a career-defining performance between the two of them for me. And the, the stick is the most goofy and boring stick in boxing. I didn't even listen to the post-fight interviews because I can't listen to him. He's probably just barking and fucking everybody hates him. And Shite. Don't want, to, don't want to see him be great and all this shit, right? But Castanio should have got the decision last night there's no way a 10-8 round in F five, and there's no way fucking six rounds or seven rounds or whatever to charo. That's just blatant corruption. And like, you know, oh, we've been praising Uncle Al for, lately, and rightly so for him turning out good cards, but the, he's that shy of a draw on a card on an Uncle Al card, is he? If there's if there's somebody's all in the balance or there's somebody coming on the line, there's not.
3: Castanio that you know, that's a few times he's never got the fight out of the line, like say so the the Lara fight and as I say to Steve um,
0: now, they're the fucking in France
3: in that as well. He's eh? Like Baddy Jack,
4: and <laughs> yeah. I like that, aye. He's doing just enough to get a draw. <laughs> but um I I really thought Daniel should have won last night, and I think I've seen enough of 154 pounds Charo uh, to know that he's not the real deal at this stage. And he's annoying me, man. He's just annoying the other fellas are the same. They're just fucking annoying me, barking and biting, barking with no bite. And these fellas put themselves in a the line to fight everybody. Their name, they have everybody's name in their mouth, and they're fighting nobody like so. And obviously, that's unification. That's like that's a bit of a stretch. But I'm in, in a fight in these fights that they build up on Showtime, where you're expecting the Charlos to go out and do the business, have an absolutely stunning breakout performance. Just he's lazy or something. He's late. Like if you got a, uh, I think he had a five inch height advantage, a considerable reach advantage. Use the fucking jo- like get on the stick, man. Why be authoritative with it? Don't just fucking paw it out there. And why is he taking a back step, stepping back into the ropes like Castano? Work the body, work the angle That's what we said. Guy.
0: He mustn't trust his gas tank, bro.
4: That's it. It's, it's like it's, he's yeah. That's a perfect. That's a perfect summary. Like it's like he's conserving energy, and then he lets it all hang in the ninth round. But there's no spe- spectacular technique. There's no setup to the shots. It's just you know balls to the wall. He's not a particularly good finisher either. I think I know he has knocked fellas out. He has a bit of a one hitter quitter, as uh, Roman Maro was saying last night on Showtime. But not really though. Like if he gets a fella hard he's very wild. So. I wasn't, impressed, but I wasn't impressed with Jamel Charlo. Very impressed with Castaño. And he should have had his moment. The guy should have had his moment. We should be looking at a rematch for another vindication for Mel Melo. Um, but a mellow performance, not a great one from him. He left it too late. And I, I think that's about as good as he is. I don't think he's any better than that. And I don't think he's going to get better than that either. So I'm not being too too harsh on Jamel Charlo. I think the other one's a bit better. The bigger guy is a bit better. But he's not much either. So... Um, I didn't see anything else on the card. I heard there were some good scraps I got to catch up on. I just had a, a busy weekend, but that's my two pence worth for the moment.
0: Yeah, well worth catching up on the undercard. Uh, Johnny Horscott Nelson's throwing in 250, so just a fiver to go. A few things then, Andy, you can talk about whatever you want. Shout out to Tim Boxeo, the Tim Boxeo podcast. I know a few of the boys are in his Discord. He was mentioning the super lightweight from Japan this weekend, Jin Sasaki, in and 0 with 10 knockouts. He's only 19. He looks the real deal, especially. I'm not going to say the new Inoue, but he could be the new Inoue, knocking out Kaiki Yuba in two rounds. to Keep an eye on him. Royad Mur, he was supposed to fight against Kevin Lorena for one of the many 54 WBA titles up at Cruiserweight. He ended up battering Zhaoxin Zhang instead. Uh, talk about that if you want, Andy, but especially talk about this German card that I believe you watched last night.
3: Yeah, just say, uh, uh, I was following what I was getting said about the Ryan Mera fight, mate. Um, as you say, that, that Chinese guy took an absolute lick in there last night, absolute beatdown apparently, dropped a few times as well, I believe. Um, and they'd say, look, that, that Mera comes up against the likes of Kalenga or uh, Dortico and that, he uh, get absolutely blasted out of there, he's just wide, wide shots, begging to be hit down the middle and that, so... He's another one who's got one of these fake panamanian belts unfortunately so he's he's going to be in the mix at some point but he's one of these guys who is just waiting to kind of go up in class and i think probably the, i don't know if he's still ranked uh i don't feel got the rankings there mate But the cruiserweights but the, i don't know if that Arsene and still kicking about there in the top whatever or if he's got a belt but he stepped up against him and got stopped so um i think he's probably like your european type level fighter as for the German card there last night, um, caught with uh, Peter Kadiru, who's been used by Auntie Joshua for uh, the music fight. Um, I think he's been in camp with him there a couple of times, possibly will be a kind of feature over the next coming camps and that as well. But he fought that Bosnian gravedigger called Adan Rezisevic, um, smashed him up in two rounds. Not much I can really write home about it, really, because that guy's shit. that's all he is, man. And uh, he's got a padded record as for, um. Kadiru and that—I mean, that's basically kid gloves with him. Twenty-four now, but he's still, you know, at the minute. Anyway, he's, he's German heavyweight champion, right? And I think that's where he's going to be remaining for the next year. Year and a bit, they might get him onto fringe European level at some point. But um, I still, at this point, don't see him as being—I I, I don't see him as a prospect just yet. I, I was expecting them to kind of like maybe pick up for this point because I have watched the best part of his pro career. And it just doesn't seem to be clicking for me. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I think he's kind of caught between what he wants to be. I think he would fight better as a counter puncher and um, against the lesser guys that nah, he could be a puncher if he wants to be. But against classier guys, that nah, he's going to struggle. I think unless he kind of really kind of like comes along in the next few years. Um, what else was on that card actually? Uh, Michael Eifert against Tom uh, uh, Deminsky was a rematch for some. You know, sanctioned body, youth belts and that. It was pretty much kind of domestic type German fight you expected. that, mate. That's all I kind of really cop in that card. But again, a German card. Uh, owned next week, I think it is actually, uh, just to let people know. for Arslan, age 50. Nothing, uh, he's it. back in the ring. Yeah, he's back in the ring in his own uh, arena as well. I don't know if he's named that named after him or if he's built it or anything like that. So he'll be getting home advantage and always... So we'll wait and see how it goes with that, mate. But You're right, Andy.
0: the at Arslan Sports yeah. Centre.
3: <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, there's not much to write home about. Anybody interested in that, you'll get it uh, on the MDR YouTube channel free of charge. It was free view last night for those at had the VPN and that as well, so...
0: Good stuff. Craig Shuttleton has thrown in the remaining five us. So we have hit the Porky button. The Porky button has been hit. I'm just charging my phone as we speak. As soon as it's sufficiently charged, I'll be giving him a ring over the next five minutes or so. I repeat, the Porky button has been hit. Hopefully he answers after all this. Uh, we've hit the Gabe button. Slightly less interesting than Porky. Some might argue, not me, Gabe. <laughs> <For> <laughs> <sake>. <laughs>
2: Ah, go fuck yourselves.
0: Glad to have you on the call, Gabriel. How are you on this beautiful Sunday evening, afternoon, Gabe, morning, whatever time it is. man,
3: at? Rob's turned up, mate. How are you doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. Fucking <laughs> bastard! What,
4: what happened to you last week, Gabe? I, I joined we, the we chat and it was over. I know,
2: Robbie, you know, we were waiting for you forever, pal. I was like, when are we going to have someone with a rational fucking thought come on and save us? from Ex- Extra
4: time and penalties, speaking of saving us. Extra time penalties paid that I don't. <laughs> <to> do. <laughs> Go. try like a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: we love you, Gabe. It's good to have you with us. What did you see from the weekend? Any Charlo,
2: Gabe? Yeah, I watched the the whole card as it showed. It was it was on Showtime. That one, uh, the uh, shitty kid. Uh, what's it? Romero and. The one before that, the, that was the best card on the or excuse me, the best fight on the card. It was a fun card. I, I really enjoyed it. That that Romero kid's fucking terrible though, yeah. I mean I don't know. I, I was not impressed by him. I haven't been impressed by, by him at all, but how he keeps getting fights is beyond me. Um I mean I felt like the the draw was okay. Um that one I think it was 117-111 card on the uh Main event there was pretty fucking terrible, but um, I don't know. What you guys think about it?
0: Yeah, we agree. We thought that probably Castaño nicked it, gay, but the 117-111 was out of order.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was kind of one of those things where I guess about halfway through I had it even, about six rounds in. I had it about even, um, so if you gave uh, Castaño 7-8-9, and then you give uh, Charlo 10, 11, and 12, it turns out pretty easy. I mean, I, I, I did have uh, – I felt like Castanio won. Like I said, I didn't really score the first half of the fight. Um, I thought it was pretty close, though, and some of those rounds were Charlo rounds for the most part, and then Castanio came on in the uh, last few seconds of the round and, and did a really good job in that uh, few rounds, so – you know, it was it was a fun evening of fights. I mean, I was really, um, I thought it lived up to the to what a uh, undisputed title fight should be. I just hope that we get to see him in the rematch. I'm not sure that that'll happen, but yeah, you know, it's, it's fucking boxing. So if it doesn't happen, it won't shock me. But I won't, I will be disappointed if it doesn't.
0: What makes you think the rematch won't happen? Maybe Charlo completely avoiding
2: the questions at the end. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I think that he could. Um, they could try to like, give them both and kind of a, give Charlo, uh, a mandatory give Castanio a mandatory. If they win those, then they get to come back together, um, and do it again, which I mean, you know, the way that, that these guys don't fight really particularly all that often, um, would put us into next year, possibly by the time it happens, I don't want to wait that long. I thought it was a good fight. I think they would need to get back in at it as quick as they can, as quick as, you know, they're allowed to physically. I mean, I think the commissions have rules on how long they have to sit out, you know, but, um, I mean, it was it was a good fight. You know, i got to be honest with you. If it happens again, I'll be really disappointed if uh, Charlo loses because I feel like he's a smarter boxer, and I feel like he's actually a better boxer. He's just a little bit lazy, and uh, Castanio... Really, I mean, didn't show at some points a, a whole lot of ability to to work his way in. It was more the laziness of Charlo let him kind of maneuver himself in. You know, he didn't actually in some in some rounds didn't really work in all that well. Um, you know, typical uh, thought process: work, you, use your jab and work your way in. Um, he didn't really do that in some spots, and he didn't really do anything else to get in. He just kind of bullied his way in. Um, but uh, it was a good fight. I mean, both guys had good, good spots. Um, after round one, I thought it was going to be pretty dull. But then round two kicked it up a pace, and uh, from there it went on. I thought it was a really enjoyable fight. How long does, uh, does Jermell have left at that
5: weight? He looks pretty damn big.
2: Oh, I thought he was. He was pretty huge, man. Um, to be honest with you, I don't know. I mean, how old is he? He's 30-something? yeah early thir- late 20s early 30s aren't they yeah he should be getting to a point where it, where i would think his weight should be getting pretty pretty set i don't know how hard of a time he has making 154 i mean i don't ever hear about him having issues with getting to the weight and i think he is the smaller of the two brothers um i don't know i mean it's get to the point where i think his weight would stabilize um if he doesn't go to 160 in the next couple, maybe year, maybe year two at most. I would say he's just gonna be a 154 lifer. Um, I could see it right now though. I mean, you saw how big he was, and if he's still comfortably making weight for those fights, then I would say, you know, he really should be done growing. I mean, he shouldn't be getting any bigger. Um, kind of depends on you know, his workouts and stuff like that. Is he what kind of weights is he doing, you know, all those all jokes of- is he doing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's another part of it too. Uh, hopefully he's not on the the, the uh, Jean-Pascal diet.
0: Yeah, I, I think that the plan was to unify and then he would have probably moved up because what else would he have had to do there? And I imagine he is tight if the brothers moved up. But maybe the brother would have gone up to 168 and he would have gone up to 160. But I can see them definitely looking to make him a two-weight world champion. Maybe Chase Lara or something up at 160.
3: Uh, which one was it? it was it was looking to fight Canelo in September. I forget who.
0: Jamal, was it, was it, was the middleweight one, yeah. yeah. Ah, right, yeah. okay, sorry. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, so where are we now? Yep, phone's nearly charged. We will get Big P on tonight. Don't worry about that or we will die trying. Let's see what other questions we've got here. Donny, here's one for you from Friend of the Pod, Joe Kennedy. Always good for a question or two. Not sure what questions the lads asked last week but we'll ask him again anyway. Where would uh, Jazza Dickens versus Kid Galahad rematch or Joshua Bratzi versus Ricard Balotnik's land on a Showtime or PBC card? Not sure they'd be put on TV, to be honest. I think Joe might have answered his own question there, Donna.
5: Yeah, also, uh, for the last year or so, I've been... Uh, I don't want to say I'm a casual, but, like, I'm a semi-casual, so I no longer feel fit to answer that question.
0: <laughs> oh, Donnie's a casual there. That's OK, Donnie. Subscribe to the Zone. Let's see what else we've got here. <laughs> that
3: was savage, man.
4: Game changed.
0: <laughs> Game changed. A rematch that's already happened and Boatsy fighting the guy who won the glorified price fighter. Game changed.
4: Hey, am Maya Jammer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or Mama Joya, as I call her. <laughs> Mama, Mama Jamma. Bad Mama Jamma. Don't forget that. Barry Jones <laughs> is very interested in her anyway. Just see his tweets That's on Belly before. of the Week. Yeah. Right, oh, sorry. Sorry for dropping the gun. <laughs> no, you're okay. Unbelievable.
0: Uh, Marcus Bellinger has thrown in a comment. Always good for a comment is Marcus. He says, I was actually going to wait until the odds became available, but since you had a question on it in the last episode, I thought I'd share a few fighters to look out for at the Olympics. From a British and Irish perspective, Pat McCormack is without doubt the most likely to win gold of the men. And Lauren Price and Kelly Harrington were really impressive at the European qualifiers and remember the great shout. Jalalov is nailed on for a gold super heavyweight. Don't see anyone beating Muslim Magomedov at heavyweight. And Ukrainian middleweight Alexander Kuziniak is an offensive machine and will be top of every professional promoter's shopping list. And even in a crowded field, I don't see anyone beating him. India have an excellent score, says Marcus. And Vikas Krishan and Amit Pangal should at least pick up a medal. And Aussie light heavyweight Paolo Akuso, was the surprise of the Asian Oceania qualifier. Keep up the good work. Cheers Marcus. Thank you to you, Marcus for throwing those names in. Anyone want to add any names here or should we all keep an eye out for these boys that Marcus has recommended?
5: Well, I just yeah. want to I just want to ask uh are we going to get that uh for the Olympic coverage? Are we going to get that Canadian guy on again that we get on every 4 years who like has like a like a unbelievable Oh, that kind
4: of
5: him. Calia. Probably not cuz the last Praise three or four Calia. times
0: you've asked him to come on he ain't come on, so probably not. go, yeah. Well, I'd love, I'd love for him to come on, but we asked him before, and he, he, never came. So it's down to him if he wants to come on. I, I thought he came out on once before.
3: He did, yeah, he did, he did and when... then never
0: since. That was four years ago. That uh, so was Olympics, <laughs> a one picture
3: real eye. He could have been on last year.
0: Anything to throw in there, Andy. Those some good names there. Yeah, if, if unpronounceable names for Marcus.
3: Yeah, well, the, the the Muslim guy, the Russian, I'm sure he's got one of, our, one of the Cubans, it might be Areslandi Savon and, uh, the, and the amateurs. And that. Um, I don't know anything about, about the women. I know I mentioned some names maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago, when this the, the, was, was kind of dragged up. Um, the Indians, I mentioned that as well, have kind of good amateur squad. Uh, Pat McCormick, as said that as well, probably tied on. Uh, the one name he probably missed out, there was, and we mentioned it at the time, was uh, Daniel Dubois' sister. Um, good chance she's going to win gold as well for Caroline, the females. Yeah. Caroline, that's it So uh, keep an eye on her as well. And uh, I think I mentioned the the maybe that Josh Taylor beating the Commonwealth Not he's a long-standing amateur, medaled a few times, and you know might be the Olympics, Worlds, and Europeans, I'm sure as well. Junior Jonas or Jonas Junior, I think his name is. So uh, keep an eye for him and that. he's usually running about the medal positions and that as well at these events.
0: And we're looking ahead to next week. We'll also go back to last week as well to pick up anything that we may have missed. Gabe Murat Gassiev is returning to action against Michael Wallish. Wallish is a big fat waste of time, so I imagine Gassiev to probably get rid of him and then disappear and get fat for the next two years. Murat Gassiev has completely fallen off my radar of interest completely whatsoever. Uh, If he gets a run together of wins, maybe on these Russian cards and gets himself into the heavyweight mix, I will be interested again. He's a puncher, he's interesting, but his inactivity has rendered him inconsequential in the Wellings boxing sphere, so I don't give a shit about Gassiev, Gabe, do you?
2: Um. Well, I mean, it's kind of hard to to be too excited about it. I mean, uh, he he last fought what was it the end of last year? Um. Now he's got a a nondescript opponent. Um. I just I just to me it doesn't make much sense. I mean, I don't know why you go about these kind of fights if your goal is to uh, do anything worthwhile. I mean, I, I, I have to say, Gassiev. Um. He's a good fighter and, and I don't dislike him. Um, but the kind of opponents that he's having now, I mean, this does, I, I'm like you, it doesn't interest me at all. There's nothing here for me to see, nothing for me to get excited about. Um, I guess maybe the inactivity is kind of what they're trying to combat against. Um, you know, before his fight last year, uh, the last time he fought was was with uh U6, so... I mean, to me, I don't know. I guess there's not much point in the stuff that he's doing as far as, uh, impactful fights, fights that are going to maybe shake up a division or, or help define the landscape as it is. Um, it's just kind of whatever, um, maybe he'll get back to these type of fights where they're meaningful and and you kind of hope that that would happen, but, um, I don't really see him being a player at heavyweight. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, so I'm kind of not really expecting much high-tier stuff from him. And if he does, it would probably be kind of those cash-out fights that, you know, after that he's going on a long break. Um, uh, I'm kind of like you, meh, whatever.
0: Meh, indeed, for Garcia. He got schooled by Usyk in 2018, and then over two years later fought new research- Ferry, who's just a glorified cute cruiserweight, light heavyweight. I think it was either one it might maybe Fury fought at some point. I'm not sure. Anyway, knocked him out in a round. And then a year later, he's going in against Valish. So, in the bin for you. Uh, Rob, uh, Tim Sue got a third round stoppage win over Steve Spark uh, before, since we were last on air. I haven't seen the fight, but obviously Sue is relevant because he could be called for mandatory against Brian Castaño. Uh, where does he fit into that Castagno? Charlo 154 mix? Now, you. Does he get, need to get his ass over to America, Rob?
4: Yeah, I i mean, Steve Spack, apart from having a great nickname, um, a potential nickname for a fighter, didn't offer much resistance to Tim Zhu, but he's a buzzsaw man, and he's fucking, he, you know, he wants to be his own man, he's, he seems very determined, like kind of has that laser focus that the old man had, like, he's definitely a chip off the old block, now granted, he hasn't faced anywhere near the opposition that the old man has had to, and the old man was a star all over the boxing world because he, he travelled as well. So he's going to have to get out of Australia. It's a bit of a catch-22 for Tim Zoo at the moment because I'm assuming he's generating a lot of cash in Australia. He's fighting at a level kind of that he's above, I think. But at the same time, he's a star over there. He's the firm favourite. You don't want to be giving up your all your advantages just to go to the States. Maybe they can get somebody to go there if they pay enough money. I would give him... I, I mean, I don't know what he's made of again until he goes up against somebody who's really going to test him. But fuck me, he'd surely be in the argument against Jamel Charo for sure, against 150. And there's, oh, there's 154 pounders out there that I'd love to see him in against. Um, So if he becomes mandatory for Castano, I don't think that's a straightforward knife for Castano. And I think Zoo might be better when he fights against a better opponent that might bring out the best of him. Um, But it remains to be seen until we see him fight out outside of Australia and not running down any of the Australian fighters. Don't be good. Come on, knife. Oh, the knives. <laughs> Roof, Yeah. He's actually a priest, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Baganji, I, though. Yeah, I'm all for the Australian athletes, man. That's where Australia is where it's at now. Right. It's the fucking home of the sporting world. Uh, hey, he I, I got a question.
2: <laughs> why do you think it's so hard for guys in Australia to get, I mean, to, to, to build their profile up. I mean, you know, you have guys, uh, British fighters, so on and so forth that, that I tell you can- why I tell you why I give you the short answer because they're upside down.
1: You know what mess (laughs) that causes, (laughs) Dave?
0: There we are. Congratulations to uh, Tim Sue defeating uh, Steve Spar. A couple from you, Andy. You can pick either one you want. Fair play to you for picking the Joe Noine. A win over Liam Wilson, I think it was. Also, Ronnie Clark, we mentioned a few weeks ago, went over two. Where was it? Kazakhstan lost a 10-round decision to 10-0 and Zoltan Zorbek. So, a loss for Ronnie and a win for Joe Noyni, as predicted by you, Andy.
3: Yeah, I was uh, I just say at the time, it was a chance of a potential upset. I know Liam Wilson they really kind of fought anybody, and you could say they've, they've just chucked him in there far too quick in that. Um... I didn't see any of this card, Actually, I've just been as, as Rob was talking. I was just looking through YouTube to see if I could find anything, and there's nothing. Zoltan really our
4: Zoltan Morberg, is that a fighter or the game that Tom Hanks played in Big? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
3: what <laughs> I'll tell you one I did see I did see the Sar Amzot fight. Did you Did you catch that one? Stop no the, hit
0: him of brain bleed
3: oh, oh, fame. And Gabe, Gabe, you're asking why, you know, Australian boxing sucks sweaty ass. Reasons like that. Guys who have been like brain bleeds, you know, shouldn't be fighting anymore, not getting licensed. But other states that in, and in, in, in Australia, name like the Combat Sports Authority of New South Wales, my fucking God, man. You know, some of these places just you know, just outlanders man that's all it is that's all it is
4: the fuck give Father Dave a license He's 54 year old priest for the fucking brain injury <laughs> exactly dead, shake it off mate get in the fucking ring You're not <laughs> with <you. Get> <laughs> actually
0: actually in in Louis Ortiz uh, fame someone messaged me they know Father Dave and they used to see him watching fight in the 90s yeah. and they have actually called into question his age they think he might be a lot older than 54 oh
3: here we go <laughs> here we go hey can you imagine when he gets knocked to, to you
0: see
4: the Phoenix mate See the fucking you see, phoenix. See the phoenix? <laughs> you see the
3: phoenix. kid? <laughs> oh the phoenix, kid. give it with that one, Rob? See the fucking phoenix.
4: <laughs> oh fucking hell, man! Australia, big pasta, glue. Here we go. Come on. Oh, we
0: beast. have a lot of Aussie listeners in the Patreon, so shout out to those boys.
3: guys <laughs> she sniffs a pot of glue. <laughs> oh
0: dear. Uh, yes. Uh, sorry, Andy. Had you finished. <laughs>
3: Yeah, mate, I don't know what we actually, (laughs) want the question,
0: let's let's, let's move on. Good old Father Dave. Uh, So, let's move on. Donnie, I don't know if you saw anything of this card last week. Uh, Gabe and Matty gave it the full full debrief. Gilberto Ramirez knocking out Sullivan Brown, looked like shit, I thought, in the fourth round. Uh, Joseph Diaz, Jojo Diaz with a good win over Javier Fortuna. A few other things going on on that card. Did you see the DAZN card, Donnie?
5: No, sorry. I was away last week and I didn't see it.
0: Donnie fell asleep. Let's move on swiftly from that one, shall we? Uh, And if anyone wants to jump in on the BT card before we hit the porky phone, then go ahead. Now, I was away, but I did manage to see Lyndon Arthur knocking out David Ferracci. I didn't see Archie Sharp against Diego Andrade. Dennis McCann against our our pod favourite, John Chua. Muhammad Ali back from the dead to defeat Lee Glover, Sam Noakes, Levi Frankham, and Zach Parker with a one-round stoppage win left up to the body over Sherzad Kuzanov. If anybody saw that BT card, speak now or forever hold your peace. That says it all, doesn't it? That says it all. There is a good BT card coming up next week. Joe Joyce against Carlos Takam. We'll talk about that shortly. Plus Belly of the Weeks. Before we do so, let's see if we can give Big P a call here. Let's see if he'll answer. Just getting the phone out. This is great stuff. And here we what go. He's
3: got your number blocked, mate. I guess you are not bother um,
0: now. Might have. Oh, doesn't seem to be ringing. This is a bad. Oh, here we go. Here
3: we go. Ringing.
0: here oh doesn't look like it's happening at the moment boys no big P response I'm afraid no big P um, response and
3: by the way no refunds either
0: no refunds we can't give you a refund actually <laughs> I was just gonna
4: say that's the worst part of that money down the drain oh well <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll drop him a message. Here, see if we can get in touch with Big P. If we don't get him this week, we'll get him next week. We'll hunt him down. Don't worry. He loves the asylum. He's not listening live clearly, or maybe he is. It's a bit of uh, this but-
4: bit of uh, transfer activity going on in the market, is there? Big, <laughs> big signing on fees being fucking bandied about there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it must be said yet, I
4: don't think. Say nothing, no. say nada. <laughs> Say nothing,
0: say nothing indeed. Yes, we'll try and get him on if we can. In the meantime, Andy, Joe Joyce, as I mentioned, going in against Carlos to account for the WBC Silver Heavyweight title and the WBO International Heavyweight title. Two bullshit titles, if ever I heard them. We'll go into to the undercard shortly. But as for the main event itself, I think this is decent for Joyce, keeping busy. We're expecting him to push on after that Dubois fight, which was last October, I believe. Shame nothing's happened for him in that time, but there was a lot of politics rolling around in the heavyweight division. There was talk of him fighting Usyk, Usyk in line for Joshua now. Is Carlos Takam as good of a keep-busy fighter as we could have expected for Joe Joyce?
3: Um, I think it's fair to say so. Um, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head that who's available, especially kind like of top-half that might have been more suitable, because, uh, he obviously know, obviously, I mean, about tak- early 40s now, and he's been over the course, and he's been fighting, kind of you know, that Fabio Maldonado, whether he was, not I think he's an ex-UFC fighter, MMA fighter, and that, you know, Jerry Forrest, and that Harley Guys is going to set the, the, the header on fire, and, you know, he's been forced to go the distance each time, but, um, it's decent enough. It's decent enough. Uh, I think maybe like so, I think it'd be too much to ask to pick, like to get, like say, a Joe Parker or a Cab-IL, which I, I was reading that the Cabal was a part of that self-made millionaires. Maybe that's the reason why it's not so often actually. And obviously Hergovic and that as well. These guys are also got they're, they're plotting their own path and that. So I think it's the best as you can be expected. And obviously Joyce is kind of like you know not treading more, but he's biding his time really, isn't he? You know we've had all the fuck ups with Fury and White. Sorry, Fury and Welder. Sorry, um, the the Joshua situation and that as well. So it's just put everything in the in the fire. Usyk's now going to get his shot, we think, and the um, imagine Joyce would probably get called for um, a mandatory position shot, roughly no far after that. After, well, I suppose Usyk's the mandatory in that, so there might be a wee, wee delay in that. So th- again, it would depend really what happens really. But at this point, I think Takam's. Again depends on how he's trained for his fight. I I expect Joyce to stop him. i say inside six rounds, I think he'll just bludgeon them actually. Takam will probably stand up, take punishment and basically get walked back and probably broken down the corner somewhere, maybe by a body shot or just lethal shots to the head and that I can see him yeah, I can see him getting kinda of stopped pretty pretty brutally
0: said this before, Donnie, he's a big old unit, Joyce. He doesn't look the prettiest, but he's got a great work rate. He's physically strong, showed those amateur boxing fundamentals with the jab against Dubois. He's going to be a hard night's work for anyone, I think. What do you reckon, Don?
5: Um, Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, Joe Joyce can't really afford to, you know, flail about here. I mean, I understand that the top level of the division is kind of, you know, all locked up right now. Everybody's waiting for their... Mandatories and waiting for their, you know, mandatory to the mandatory. I mean, you know, the the top level, the top five fighters are kind of spoken for, but you know, is he thirty six years old? Is indeed. Yeah, I mean, you know, I know that heavyweight, you can kind of keep going to your forty more or less, and uh, still be, you know, it's it's like it's a it's a division that lends itself to success for older fighters, but you know, I mean, if your best win is Daniel Dubois. Uh, And that's not not taking anything away from Dubois, by the way. I mean, I think that he's going to be a very good fighter someday, but, you know, he's still a very young man, and uh, he obviously has a lot uh, more development uh, to go uh, before he's a a complete fighter. But, I mean, you know, if Joe Joe Joyce is going to break into the top uh, ranks and try to, you know, at least uh, see how far he can go, I mean, that time is now. Uh, But because the top fighters are kind of locked up at the moment. Uh Tacom isn't a bad uh you know fight to keep busy. Uh I think he actually Takam has does have some underrated defensive skills. I think he rolls with punches really well. You there, Dom? I could cut off, you yeah,
0: know. Yeah, I Logan said I. Point. Yep, yep.
5: You know, I think I think that he rolls with punches very well. I think he has some good defense. But the work rate uh, that, that, uh, that Joyce has should, you know, overwhelm him. Uh, I, if he gets a stoppage, I would see it coming late, not necessarily mid-rounds. Um, I could even see a decision win, but uh, but I'll, I'll go with a late stoppage. But, but I'll say this, though. I'm okay with him taking a tick-over fight like this uh, while he's waiting for the top names. But he's got to stay busy, and I think he's got to try to keep going after. If he can't get the top names in the ring with him, then he needs to keep going after whoever is underneath that uh, top level, and I think he needs to be fighting them as frequently as possible, and sort of you know bringing his case to the public and saying, "Look, you know what? I'm knocking out this guy. I'm knocking out this guy. You know why won't these top guys fight me? You know where's my uh, share of the pie here? You know it's my turn, uh, and and to to keep keep himself active and keep himself in the public eye such that he can't be ignored." Uh, And if he does that, uh, then ultimately he'll be knocking at the door of, uh, you know, the elite, like the Joshuas, the Furies, uh, the uh, Wilders, uh, Usyk. uh, And, um, you know, I mean, I don't know, maybe try to drag Povetkin out of retirement or something or, you know, uh, I mean, just, you know, he he, but he's got to keep he's got to keep knocking at the door and he's got to keep fighting frequently. Drag Povetkin
0: to the retirement home, I think, uh, given the last uh, state that we saw of him. Ian Chalice said, solid enough fight for the juggernaut, but it ain't exactly exciting. M Lithgow 1983 says, Takam is a busted flush. Uh, N says, Joe Joyce has a pretty decent resume, probably one of the few heavyweights who will generally fight anyone. I completely agree with that. And one other comment here before we bring Gabe in. Uh, Joe Burns says, Gabe, 2021 heavyweight division. We're in July now, and the best heavyweight fight we have so far this year is Joyce versus Takam. It's a decent fight, but shows how bad this year has been for heavyweights. Would you concur with uh, Mr. Burns' assessment there, Gabe?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think a, a huge part of it is just the lack of the top guys doing anything, not not having good fights, not having great fights, not having mediocre fights. They haven't had fucking any fights. I mean, the world knows where we're at. It's Fury, Joshua and Wilder, one, two, and three, Uh, possibly some shifting around there with Wilder. I mean, but that's kind of the general status. I believe the world views those, those top three heavyweights in and they're, and they're doing a whole lot of nothing. I mean, it's, it's really not a good look for a division whenever none of the top guys are doing anything at all. It's understandable if there's injuries, it's understandable. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole. We talked about it a little bit last week with Fury's COVID nonsense. And and, and and I'm sure you guys have kept up with that a lot more than I have. The only thing I have to say about it is we're not getting a fight delayed for a while. Um, if that's the case, that's the case. I mean, there's not much the average fan can do about it. Um, whether it's a reality situation or some kind of tactic uh, to stall the fight, whatever, it makes no difference. The, f- the fact of the matter is we're not getting the fights. So, I mean, I agree. I don't see anything happening. Um, I don't see anything that's, that's again, really hugely impactful. Um, so this fight uh, uh, with Joe Joyce coming up, I mean, that's getting to be one of the fights of, uh, what do you guys? What would you guys call him as far as rating? Um, in the top ten, just right outside the top ten, somewhere in that little area. Certainly, I think Joe Joyce is in the
4: top. The top. The top. The quality of the the in the heavyweight division is fucking very barren outside the the top three guys. Anybody else really with a heartbeat can be in the top ten. Put Takam in the top ten if you want. It Doesn't. You know what I mean? Yeah, the bottom, right. the, the bottom and,
2: five and of the top of the ten problem. is shocking. Like, uh, I think I, I think you're right, and I think that's part of the problem. It doesn't really kind of matter how high up you rate Joe Joyce or Tacom or um, uh, King Kong Ortiz or or Andy Ruiz or Joe Parker or any of those guys. I mean, Dillian White, um, all these names, and and they're kind of in a cluster there. And we all look at them and say, "Well, these are the next tier guys. These are the guys under the under the Fury and Joshua and Wilder um, uh, status." And so, whenever you're not getting anything from those top fighters, then I think it gives you the impression that there are uh, that everything else is substandard. And I don't really know that that that's the case because we're getting now, um, uh, sorry. Um, Joe uh, Joyce fighting now, um, I mean, we're, we're going to get Anthony Joshua and Usyk. So is it – has it really been horrible? Well, yeah, we're halfway through the year, so it hasn't been a great year for heavyweight boxing considering the impactfulness of the fights we've seen over the last few years before COVID. So um, I would tend to agree, I guess is my point. Uh, I think a little bit of it is is kind of a perception um, because those top guys aren't fighting. But, I mean, then again, this is kind of what happens um, in the world that we live in now with the COVID, whether you believe it or not, whether it's it's really the factor of why the fight's being called on or off or delayed, what have you, is, is, is of little relevance. It's the fact that it's happening that way. So um, it's just kind of a tough deal. It's kind of a tough deal. The, the heavyweight division right now is not a whole lot of fun, though.
0: Uh, any interest from you, Rob? Uh, get rid of Takam, move on. Xilai Zhang's name's getting mentioned in the chat. Huey Fury as well. But you couldn't see Eddie sending Huey over for that, could you?
4: I mean, I, I could see Peter Fury and Huey Fury taking a fight against Zilly Zhang. Zilly, 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 Zing, Zang, Zing, Zhang, Zing, Zhang zu Yeah, because they, I think um, they'll take an opportunity if it's presented to them, Huey, Huey and Peter Fury. I don't think what that fight would look like, I don't even want to fucking, yeah, I don't even want to even think about it, it wouldn't be Shades of Ali, anyway, I know that, um, Takam versus Joe Joyce, I'm really, really, really looking forward to this, said nobody, ever, Um, Takam is a sparring partner, let's be honest about it, like he's a fucking sparring partner, journeyman, he goes around, he makes his living doing that, no shots, no, no, nothing against him whatsoever, but that's his level, like, put in a decent performance against Joshua, the fight was probably stopped a little bit too early, did headbutt Joshua to break his nose. He'll hang in there, but he's not going to do anything with Joe Joyce. He wouldn't do anything without Joe Joyce, I don't think, Carlos Takam. So, Joe Joyce is kind of a hard guy to get excited about. Partly his personality, partly his style in the ring. I can't get on board. Like, I just don't see him troubling any of the top three, even when he gets there. So, say say Joe Joyce goes out and he blasts Carlos Takam out in two rounds. Who does he fight next? These fucking idiots, these three morons at the top of the fucking heavyweight pile are holding up everything. Fury's testing positive for COVID, and then he's out taking photos with the fucking fans. He's taking a piss altogether. Oh, yeah, I've got COVID, lads. We had to put the fight out back three months. By the way, it didn't sell because nobody wants to see it because this bullshit arbitration overruled the fucking only fight that anybody wants to see in boxing. Sorry about that. We're going to have to push this fucking saga back to October, which means the chances of fucking Fury and Joshua happening are smaller and smaller by the day. So I think there's a combination of that and the fact that Joe Joyce is not that exciting. That really has me not giving a, a fucking flying fuck about what happens in his fight with Carlos Takam. Carlos Takam has no hope in this fight, right? I don't know. Ozzy's good at the, at the odds and that. And Smiddo and that. They like the, the gambling odds and that. I'd love to see the odds of what Takam is for this. It's a fucking horrendous. I mean, it's a takeover fight for Joe Joyce, but looking at the guys that are, are outside the top three, what else are they supposed to do? drop down to away and maybe get a title opportunity. There's nothing else for them. They have to just fucking continue playing silly buggers with each other, do a mandatory's, interims, intercontinental, silver, gold, fucking rainbow belt, you name it, because they're not going to, the 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 three guys at the top are holding up everything and putting the heavyweight division on pause for basically two to three years while they fucking work it out and and manage to work out all the red tape and actually get in the ring and fight each other, so... Heavyweight boxing, absolute shit show at the moment. And I feel sorry for any of the heavyweights who are waiting their, their turn, including Dillian Waite, who's been waiting fucking 500 years at this stage. Like, it's. Uh, yeah, no, sorry. No shots at Tacam or, or Joe Joyce. So just don't really. Go, I'm not really excited to see the two of them in the ring, as you can gather.
5: Go on, John. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I know that this sounds crazy and it's not the way things are done today. But what if what if Joe Joyce just offered to take on one of the top five guys in the division? And by that, I mean, Usyk, White, Fury, um, uh, Joshua and Wilder. What if he just offered to take them on and like take a 20 percent purse split? I mean... You know, pretty, pretty sure, sure that's
4: what he'd be getting anyway, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, All right. Is that exactly big and, you George, you know I mean? like, In other
5: words, like I think he just needs to do something dramatic to burst down the scene. It would be one thing if he was like if he was Daniel Dubois age and he could just bide his time, but he can't. You know, he's thirty six. He he needs to just burst down the scene, and I don't know what he needs to do. Whether he needs to. Adopt like a Floyd Mayweather, like trash talking type of style, or like, or you know, and, and getting a lot of attention. But he needs to, he needs to make it. It's not gonna him. happen. <laughs>
4: yeah. there, but there's your, there's the problem from that. You, you've highlighted it perfectly. He's 36 years of age. AJ and Fiori, if it gets made, it's gonna happen twice. So, what age is he gonna be by the time he gets a crack at either of those? And he's gonna fall behind in a stack of mandatory to whoever the champion is. And whoever wins those two fights will probably retire at the end of them anyway. And he'd be just left fucking hanging in limbo. like So all heavyweights are retire for the next two years. That's my advice, guys. I just think as well, though, I know that all
0: divisions move slowly these days and some fighters only fight once a year, twice a year if you're lucky. But it just seems like guys are just stagnating. I know Joyce, he got the win over Dubois. Dubois Bois come back. Uh, Huey Fury, Martin Bacoli. You'd love to see them just fly in against each other and just have a go. And I know that's
4: a bit... Tell, tell you, who else would love to see Martin Bacoli fly in against someone? Billy Nelson that's <laughs> not fucking hanging out for the cunt to get a fight. Fucking hell. I
0: know. Hergovic is holding on. You you know, you just love to see a few of them just... I don't know. Oh, that's just the way it is with boxing, isn't it? But yeah, there you go. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Uh, I'll mention the undercarb, but I know nobody really cares that much. Uh, Chris Jenkins defending the British and Commonwealth Titles against Echo Esserman, former friend of the pod. In fact, we've had both of those guys on the pod before. Hamza Sheer, I think he was supposed to come on the pod, never did. He's in against Ezekiel uh Chris Bork, who's also been on the pod, going in against James Beach Jr. David Adelaide after his struggles against Kamil Sokolowski. is going in against Mladen. Manev. This is an Aussie card. Hopefully we'll get him on next week to talk all about it. Just before going to Belly of the Weeks, so we had a question coming in from John Kearns. Andy, he says, what is the panel's thoughts on Boxing News' stance on only recognising the TBRB champions as the legit number one in the division? Do you think it's something that could gain momentum with governing bodies continuously making up bullshit titles? I don't think so, because we've had these kind of things put into action before. And I think there's an appetite for the titles, not amongst the likes of us, but you know, the fighters are happy to fight for them. Promoters are happy to promote them. PBC said they were going to do away with them and they're still using them. So I'm not really sure if this will gain momentum, Andre.
3: The WBA also said they were going to cut titles and here we are still fucking <laughs> you know, creating their champions. Um, will that happen? No, absolutely not. I mean, the, the situation the Belts isn't new. You know, it's just got out of your hand in this era. You go back to, uh, a few decades and that was still a problem. You had, like, the New York State Athletic Commission title, the WBA title, you know, that type of thing. And then you, if you go back way further than that, you had world titles that were you know only recognised by certain countries, for example. So you'd have, like, maybe a British world champion or an Australian world champion, or they laid claim to it, shall we say. So it's nothing new. But the HBO tried this as well back in the day when they were, you know, you know the top broadcaster, and that they refuse to actually even mention the you know any of the sanction bodies. They do always just like refer to them as his title bodies or the fighter holds uh, two two sanction body belts that type of thing. The, the stance is laudable, okay, but it's it's not going to do nothing. It's distinct a stance they're trying to kind of you know, just know, you know. I suppose it's a way of not dealing with it. what they would need to do really is, and I think you know, especially like boxing news considering like the reputation, is get the WBA on the phone. In fact, get get them all on the phone. Get every single uh, present, uh, each of these uh, commission bodies on the phone, and interview them and put it to them. I mean, Rob Tebbutt did a did a interview with Maurice Suleiman. Remember, he you not know, asked me a question about a title belt, and then he just like shook his head and said no. And that was that, uh, and that that was his answer. He never like expanded upon it or anything like that. So the things like that, and you, you seen anyway handing back his WBC diamond belt because he, you know after he beat Danair. Um, we saw what happened with Sergio Martinez getting stripped of his belt in order to try and get Julio Cesar Chavez belted up. Um, it's just, you know, there, there are so many, uh, you know, incidences of, of just absolute bullshit belts getting created for situation. I mean, probably the, the, the best thing is that the WBA have, have done recently is actually is reject Pacquiao's um, uh, request to be reinstated as a, as a super champion, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably the best thing I've done recently, um uh, the, the the BA but I, I I don't know, as you say, mate, unless managers, promoters and fighters themselves stop paying this type of I mean oh, Bob Arm uh, once admitted um to try and get Ray Mancini a title shot, I think it cost him two hundred and fifty thousand
5: dollars. That was that's that's not a sanctioning fee. That's fucking corruption, that's a payoff. No, I think I think Andy, I think it was that uh, in order to get Axel Schultz ranked by the IBF uh, for Foreman, he had he had to pay a bribe.
3: That's another one. Yeah, That's yeah. the IBF though, mate. This is this was Mancini fighting for the WBA belt. Oh, okay, yeah. It was covered in that documentary, the um, the Good Son. But yeah, you're right about Axel Schultz, George Foreman, because obviously Schultz uh, should have got the decision against Foreman. He didn't get it, and then there was a big uh, hoo ha. I forget Steve because we covered it in Punches for the Past said Cedric Kushner, I think it was. It was involved with this one, and um, mm. there was there was like there was like I, I I don't know how much you say it was done, a hundred thousand two hundred thousand dollars was paid beforehand, and then they came calling again for another another payment, and Aram's like, no fuck this shit. I think four men ended up vacating the belt anyway, didn't they?
5: No, Aram. Well, no, no. I I thought that Aram did pay. No, he the,
3: paid one installment and refused to pay the second one.
5: Well, yeah, and then he went to the he went to the FBI and he said. He said, "Look, he's like I paid a bribe, yes, but he's like this guy's trying to get another one out of me, and so I think that's how he got out of it was that yeah. he just uh, he, he re- basically reported on himself, but he got immunity, you uh, know, in, in exchange for the testimony about what was going on." I've I'm I've I'm through my notes,
3: Steve, who punches for the past episodes, and not am just gonna to try to find out exactly where it was because I had a, I'd actually wrote that situation down.
0: Was that around the time of the Lou Savarese fight, was it?
3: It was it was, it was a tail end of um, Foreman's career. It was when Foreman started kind of like defending that WBU belt and he ended up yeah. Tommy Morrison long afterwards. Because uh-huh. maybe fought Tommy Morrison in Japan.
5: Yeah, right, right after right after Foreman got ra- I mean i right after Schultz got Shannon out, Briggs so, as well. Yeah, then well yeah, well then Foreman. Let's go, was, Foreman beat him, and then and then uh, and then Foreman got robbed.
3: That's right. Mm. What the fuck is it? Sorry, Steve. I'm am trying to find this thing. Eh? No having much luck though.
0: Are nah, you fine? I'm trying to remember because he had a fight before Savarese. He fought some guy out in Japan. I'm trying to think, and that was. for yeah, the game, wasn't, wasn't it Crawford? Foreman. Crawford, somebody. Go on, go I was. I was, I at,
5: the, I was at the Foreman
3: Savarese fight. Right. So Foreman returned five months later in April ninety five. He fought Germans. Axel Schultz won a controversial majority decision. Later it would come out that the IBF found in President Robert Lee and his racketeering trial in 2000 that Arum would pay 100000 for the IBF before the fight and another 100000 after the fight. However, Arum learned that there had been another IBF official received $250,000 from Foreman and Arum refused to pay the second instalment. So obviously the IBF had two 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 dibs in the in the pot there. They were at Foreman and they were at Bob Arum.
4: Nice guys. Arum, oh, hundred grand to Arum is like fucking twenty quid, but he's still not giving it to you.
3: Rob Arum. <laughs>
4: <laughs> not so much these days. It's not like shelling out as old Bob. No. Yeah, I think I think that's everything
0: that I've got here then. Can't even what was that question that we were answering it wasn't about Oh, yeah. It was John Kearns' question, wasn't it? About uh, but they the yeah, sanction yeah, yeah.
3: bodies. Now, that's right. That's right. Well, you All know right, what so, it is, yeah. though.
5: It's, it's kind of like it's kind of like currency. Uh, once you know, we went off the gold standard. It's like it only has value because everybody thinks it does, right? So, because everybody thinks that the WBA championship is something that should be desired, that's why we desire it. That's why fighters will go and fight for it. That's why they'll pay. Oh sanctioning fees to get it because it's considered a world championship by the public. If everybody just decided tomorrow that the WBA was shit, then it wouldn't be it wouldn't be worth anything. There's no inherent value in it. It's only the value that is ascribed to that championship by the public.
4: I think it's a well noble said, Donnie. like
5: diamonds in fact.
4: Like diamonds in the sky. It's a it's exactly. a fucking it's a it's a noble stance for for the boxing news to take or the boxing money whoever is taking But realistically, what leverage do they have against the promoters and the TV networks? None. If they say Javante Tank Davis is a three-weight world champion, as good as he is, he's not to us because Josh Taylor is the undisputed champion at 140. What the fuck does that matter? He's three-time world champion. They're building him for pay-per-view style. The general public will eat it up no matter what. So I really don't know what leverage they have. It's nice for them to try this, but it's about 20 years too late. (laughs)
3: It's longer than that, mate. I mean, to be honest, I've said it before, if the champion makes the belt, but at the same time, there is there is fighters out there who transcend titles and belts, like Canelo, Floyd, Pacquiao to a, la- to a later degree, but then you take fighters like Josh Warrington with that IBF belt, meant everything to him, forced to vacate it, and then look at him now. Look at him now. Mm-hmm. You know, there's fighters out there who need to have the belt. They need to have a belt on them because it makes them significant or makes them relevant. Um, like, like a guy like Canelo, for example, I mean, he he's told the WBC to fuck off before, and look up now—he's back fighting for, uh, for the belts, basically. You know, so it's, it's the big guys, you know, uh, guys like Canelo, Joshua, Fury, Wilder. You know, but in the, the day, these guys make up good good relationships with these guys and these bodies. And that's how they end up fighting for the belts.
4: And at the, at the end of the day, as well, you're onto you're something because when you're talking about the top fighters, because at the end of the day, the top fighters are the ones that like the hardcores are recognise anyway. So it doesn't matter really what belts at stake or what what belts Canelo has. Everybody knows he's, he's the best at 168. And the same goes for the other divisions too. The cream will rise to the crop, or to the top rather. The cream of the crop will rise to the top eventually. Um, And all these sanctioning bodies and fees and all don't make uh, a difference. But they do provide serious fucking roadblocks and obstructions along the way.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I think sometimes maybe the smaller guys wouldn't get the opportunity, like when Kel Brook defended against um, JoJo, Biz- Kevin. Yeah, JoJo. <laughs> no, JoJo Dan was it, and Kevin Bizier. <laughs> um, wouldn't Wouldn't that have been a shame? Oh, pay per views,
3: man. They, 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 well, we need to go back to the ones when on Sky and the Zone and that. Yeah. Fucking Kel Brook and JoJo Dan and Frankie oh, Game, Gal- changed. game, <laughs> game changed, changed, baby. Game changed.
0: Okay, let's change the game onto Belly of the Week before we get out of here. Andy is with us still, thankfully. So is wrapping Rob Kelly, Gabe Lewis and Donnie Baseball from My American Contingent, episode 432. And we've got a couple of videos sent in, one from Andy. But first of all, Rob sent this in to me uh, from Instagram earlier. Defend yourself at all times. A bit of touch of the old Nate Campbell, Robbie Peden going on in this sparring session for you to enjoy.
1: (laughs)
4: <laughs> you don't play boxing baby <laughs> he didn't play left hooks like that either what's going on he's what's see he doing? that guy that's the epitome of the social media era right because he's seen that somewhere else in a fight someone take a shot and go yeah man
3: yeah
4: hands around the, hands you, around the waist. he
3: backed up Trinidad
4: your man was <laughs> like alright he looked like he had a look at him for a second he was like alright he's leaving those hands down okay let me deal with this Bit of touch of the victor ortiz is there protect yourself at all time holy shit man like holy shit i blame jake paul and all that for this like because you know that's what's going to happen in the ring eventually someone's going to get absolutely fucking iced like that trying to be the wise guy but hilarious hilarious that was
3: who's it? one of the paul twins are fighting shortly is it one of the is his name maybe fighter is it tyrone? jake is jake's tyrone. fighting
0: tyrone somebody yeah
3: Woodley or something like that Aye. Right. That guy's a, I do don't know what his, what his stand-up skills are like in that, but you think, like, a serious fighter like him, I would suppose would fucking surely like Christ take We'd hope he so. Paid to dive, man! him <laughs> pay dive. You know.
4: You'd hope. He, you'd hope he puts in a better performance than uh, Ben Askren, anyway. Fucking
3: hell. I'm bet, I'm betting that guy's seen Ricardo Mayorga against Tito Trinidad, and he's seen Mayorga getting hit with the first two left hooks. And he's like, "Yeah, bring it on, baby." And Then the third <laughs> one lands, he's like, "Nah, fuck this shit. I'm running." But they said this guy got iced holy
0: shit God, it always reminds me of Nate Campbell and I feel sorry for Campbell because he was a proper fighter but he's just been turned into a meme post-retirement he had a lot of good wins but he was beating Bobby Peden so easily in Australia that he decided to go in stick the chin out against a poncha which was always a bit stupid and then he got sparked out Andy poor Nate Campbell
3: poor Nate Campbell mate I remember <laughs> that one actually good fighter just a bit suspect sometimes
0: certainly was uh, Andy has sent this in any preamble on this Andy, Rolly Romero I, think, uh, I haven't watched it myself I think
3: he's, he's just sounding awful on Devin Haney but I kinda of waiting for his
0: bollocks to drop type voice ok then let's uh, have a listen Bitch ass Haney's number one fake ass Mexico ass fucking email ass champion daddy bought his fucking career daddy bought him a fucking win in Mexico that they raised the other motherfuckers hand So y'all can all go fuck yourself. Devin Haney is the biggest bitch, not just at 135, in boxing. So don't give me that shit. Devin Haney is the biggest bitch in
2: boxing. If I'm so easy, fight me and fucking whoop my fucking ass. But no, because he knows he's a chinny, frail ass little
5: bitch.
0: Johnny be- Horsecott Nelson, it, so- Johnny Horse little N- little bit. Nelson says, be- I can see why people dislike him but you know what I'm loving that Andy, we need more of that <laughs>
3: We do actually, we need to do a lot more of that but I've seen myself, just keep that same energy when you fight Gervonta Davis yeah. Right? Yeah. That's
4: that what was, I need to see That was, that was great from Jason Jason Chahalda, very good <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> He'd on the phone then not
0: Oh dear, Rolly Romero. Yeah, I can get behind him if he's going to be throwing that type of content out. So that's uh, our two introductions. Thank you to the boys for yeah, throwing that. The eh? well, yeah, he it
3: has, does. Yeah, he does. Question on that one, Mike.
0: You know where his mind's going. Uh, not onto this anyway. Barry Jones, Tommy Cahill has nominated this one. A, bo- a boxing Ooh! fan to all the matching fighters. So you all want to leave a huge platform like Spice to go and box and a bigger budget version of Box Nation. Crazy matching boxers. It's hard to put in words and reason why. So,
4: Rob, over to you. It's a pity you didn't clip the full fucking screen there, to be honest with you. That's the only <laughs> re- regrettable thing about that He's He's uh, big on the statement analysis. He, he, he uh, tells on himself that he likes the yours, as they say in Ireland. Uh, but who could blame him? Look at that. Fucking hell, man. Um, I'm all, The game has changed. You wouldn't get that from Woolhouse, I'll tell you that much. Game changed. Well, I was, Rob, I, tr- I tried to cut the whole
0: clip, but there's only so much you can fit in, you know what I'm saying?
4: This
5: is it.
0: <laughs>
4: Listen, one ninety nine a month. What's that like? Fuck the hell!
5: Oh, I, how want long the, I want to see the, bottom floor. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Heavy floor, baby. That's, I just that's yeah,
4: tremendous. Fucking go uh, on, Barry. Uh, that's she's she's gonna, be,
3: she's gonna be a new front person for the zone in the UK. But um, I I I think I'm right in saying that we're all. Um, uh, Mike Costello fans but I, I, I think his type of presenting or calling fights is suited mostly to the radio because you've got to call uh, as it's happening like a lot of information is going to come at once. I don't yeah. know, I actually work for television, so I don't think maybe we need to change his. I mean, I'm not telling about his job, but I just think he's still maybe slightly changing me, but he wouldn't need to tell yeah. us anything? Oh, a left hook and a right hand. And I can you imagine it, but I'm like fucking
4: watching Rocky, man. Tell you what, he's not as good in a purple bikini either. Costello, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> what's that knife? Is that knife on 11? We need to hey. see a lot of wood picture on
3: that time, though.
4: <laughs> Listen, it's common game changed 199 game a month. Changed.
0: Uh, changing the game. Uh, the game's still the same for Team Boxeo. Tweeting out here, Richard Ivan Chachita Jam- Jamarillo uh, Jeremio, sorry, Norton uh, 2 faces Jose Ramirez Cruz in a heavyweight boat scheduled for 10 rounds tomorrow at Grand Hotel in Tijuana. While no sorry. weights were reported, oh. Chachita on the left weighed in at 319 pounds in his last boat on May the 27th. Now, remember, this is Chachita on the left, who weighed in at 319. I'm not sure about the gentleman in the right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> so you <casino.
0: laughs> <laughs> I hope they're going to reinforce
5: Ring Andy over at Big Punch.
3: <laughs> that that, that, that reminds me. The guy in the right reminds me. Remember that guy who fought on the Australian card a few months oh, back? Oh,
0: Conrad Lamb, £530. Oh, pounds.
3: oh, what? And then you've got Hayden, age bomb right, missing, pounds, <laughs> miss, missing weight by £40 pounds or whatever it was. fucking size of that dude, man. That's bag work.
4: That looks like five Andy Ruizes smuggled into one fucking red T-shirt. <laughs>
3: It's right. amazing these scales are still standing there baby, with their own, their own bits and springs lying <laughs> at the fucking out Jesus! This is the
5: uh, this is the sumo wrestling finals.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you feel sorry for the scales in a contest
4: like that. So there's the boys anyway. How, yeah, the fuck, can... how the fuck? is he fighting, man? <laughs> Stop with you, then. <laughs> professional <Proclamation laughs> fighter. Fucking three hundred and one. That's conservative. Let me tell you, that looks. No, that's the guy on the
0: left, Rob. Oh, he lost three hundred and nineteen pounds in his last fight.
4: Right, so this guy is definitely six hundred pounds. Great,
3: Samoa <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: what that is.
4: Baby. Holy <laughs> fuck! Wait, his, 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 look at a big that, smile on his face as well like he's not even thinking about the fight He's just like smells pie somewhere in the back he's around. eyes, eyes <laughs>
3: he's, oh, that fish supper's looking good baby probably, yep. probably yep. 10 of them
5: I'm just, I'm just, wait, I'm just <laughs> waiting for the guy on the right to like throw salt in the fucking eyes
3: of the guy the- <laughs> Steve that'd be a Like I know a to him
5: Mr. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Fugio will Mr. Fug- Mr. Fug- be coming out, out from underneath the rain <laughs> <laughs>
4: Eddie just looked at that tweet from Barry Jones in that picture, did he? <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: dear. Yeah, Gary Kavanagh, anyway has nominated IGT Michelle eighty five. Rocky Balboa is a fictional character, but people bring him up in actual boxing conversations. Like those fights really happened. You might as well bring up the sound lot when talking baseball. It's fantasy. Uh, Gary says, "How can anyone hate on Rocky?" <laughs> I know Actually, that guy from somewhere. To... By the
4: way, I know him. He follows me on Twitter. Him, that guy, right. guy said that about Rocky. I know him from somewhere. I just don't know where I know him from. But yeah, but people do do that though. People do do that. They're like, yeah, Kovalev. Kovalev is the new Ivan Drago. You know, <laughs> that's Dolph Lundgren, man. He's not a fucking real person. Like, the fuck up.
3: He's <laughs> a good he man though.
4: Oh, yeah, was. I think I think to win this fight he has to adopt the Apollo Creed strategy. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: uh, uh, Matt a Dobson Box Bet has nominated
0: Jamel Charlo. Castagno fight could be the one that put me in the hall of fame. Um I
4: don't <laughs> <fucking> <laughs> <hell>! <laughs> See what I mean about this prick, man? Fuck it yeah. hell. Hall of Fame. Hall of Shame, you fucker. <laughs> So uh, same,
3: man, eh? they're, just, they're just all desperate to be Floyd Mayweather and that, but then when I put in the yards
4: and... Oh, anyone just, who fucking carries around the amount of cash that these fools had in a duffel bag and brings it to a nightclub deserves everything that's coming to him. but it's not the fucking Hall of Fame, let me tell you that.
3: So you know how actually got rob these jewellery in that as well? No, I know Chavez was, but I, I think he got robbed. the Yeah, rob yeah it was one, one of the brothers, jewelry. I think, Aye. wasn't
1: it? Let's like, you know, say it's club. him, I think...
4: Jamel is more emotional than the other one, isn't he? Like, he's way more emotional. He's the guy beat, beat by um, beat on 154 uh, by Harrison. Tony Harrison punked him that night. He's a bit more emotional. I think he can get into his head a little bit more so I could see you stealing his jewelry a little bit easier. All right,
0: <laughs> <laughs> in the hall of blame, uh, Gabe, you've been nominated by O'Shea 1628, Bellew of the Century for Gabe's football analysis. Anything <laughs> to say here, Gabriel?
2: Oh, I was gonna say it all. I did what I had to do. I told all the crews that there were to tell about the fucking shit sport of soccer. Anyone that doesn't like it can suck it.
3: This is the guy who watches baseball, for fuck's sake.
2: Fucking hell. Baseball. You fucks that keep talking shit. If I want to fucking hear your mouths open, I'll rattle my zipper. Fucking baseball, (laughs) like a little bitch.
3: Baseball
1: lasts, like, six <laughs>
2: hours,
3: man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, baseball
1: lasts um, six no, hours, and hey. it's
3: like you're fucking chasing a, a, a wee ball running run, run, run around in circles like a Silly Boy's <laughs> Rounder or something.
2: <laughs>
4: funny funny way we're on the football, that song, hey, isn't it? Hey,
2: did you not at least enjoy the goal call that we had on there? At least I've learned a thing or two from seeing a little bit of soccer on the Mexican uh, channels here.
3: Yeah, go, I mean, go and home. Yeah, go and home. You're going, England's going home. It's funny. It's
4: funny. <laughs> Andy, that worked out for
2: those fucking butts, didn't
4: it? Song, they say in the song, 30 years are hard. But that song is fucking 30 years old now. You Need to it's update jelly. that, these remakes. <laughs> Sweet
0: <laughs> Caroline, Rob. Sweet Caroline finding oh, a
4: yeah.
3: way into the stadium. <laughs> Aye, where was Neil diamond at the end of that game? By I
4: never heard them. was? What's his name at home? Brian Peters at home. Steaming, man, because that's his idea. He's like, that bastard. still fucking fucking stolen on me. That was
5: Peter's. Features indeed. When uh, when when Gabe gets intimate with a woman, and uh, and it comes to its uh, natural, like baseball head. When it comes to its Here we natural. i it <laughs> When it comes to its when it comes to its natural conclusion, he yells,
1: "Ho!" <laughs>
0: <laughs> like
5: ho, 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 ho.
1: <laughs>
0: I wondered where you were going to go with that, Donny. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh dear!
0: knowledge uh, oh. this one.
3: John Thompson's billing <laughs> good, fucking raging, Minty as well. We look at so him he Supports England. That's a funny. That's a funny. DJ
0: Keaty says, "I love Gabe." Uh, Brian king been giving you a lot of grief lately, Gabe. Uh, Brian King, who once labelled How to Dave Lowback a bald, spastic, he's been going in on <laughs> you on Facebook. <laughs> <Gabe>. <laughs> <laughs> What's he been saying? <laughs> It, it's not been complimentary, I'm afraid, Gabriel.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, if he's listening, Brian, why don't you go and pick up a large shovel? Put it sideways and shove it straight up your ass.
4: Yeah, so you can be Brian like a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Come on, Gabe. Brian like a, like a little bitch. Let me cut it. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> come on Gabe
2: what what am, I, what am I doing here
0: Brian like a little bitch
2: <laughs> so if you don't like what I have to say on this show you don't listen to this show stop Brian like a little bitch <laughs> and stay the fuck off <laughs>
0: there you go Brian It's uh, the gauntlet has been laid down from Gabe for you there uh, old old Habits Die Hard here, David Almond, uh, Rob. Uh, where's your balls, Corey? <laughs> Corey B versus Malinaji.
4: Is this happening?
0: Yeah, apparently so. Celebrity boxing.
4: Well, what am I going to do? I'm going to tie my hand around my back, and I'm going to beat this guy with one hand, and then when I beat him with one hand, with my t- hand will tie him around my back, then you're going to know you YouTube guys. are boxing. This is boxing. You don't play boxing. You know what I'm saying? Got your neck. I got your neck. Connor, Connor.
3: Connor what's up with you, Connor? show me that video. <laughs> Who's this, Corey? Is this
4: the guy who threw the threw the powder room him or something like that? Yeah, this is the guy that got his neck, <laughs> like his neck. Man, how <laughs> bad! Like God. Malinazzi took a massive <laughs> error by taking that bare knuckle fight with Artem Lobov and losing it. Imagine he loses to Corey B, man. Like yeah. I don't even know who the fuck Corey B is, like, but you don't lose to a fella called Corey B. That's for fucking rule number one. Especially if you're ex-world two-time world champion, Paulie Malinazzi. I'm gonna fight him with my hand tied around my back. What am I gonna do, this guy?
3: He Has he spat on him
4: yet? Is he, any spitting he, going on, though?
3: He touched his cockle,
0: apparently. Malinage <laughs> <laughs> uh, is un-
4: brilliant as a pundit man, but what yeah. a fucking headbanger. He is.
0: Uh, Gabe, you unmuted there. Any interesting Corey B versus Malinage? Uh,
2: this, this, so this is happening. Um, I didn't a, make I, when I heard that, correct? According to the poster... Back in. Looks like they spent a ton on that poster, by the way. I'm <laughs>
4: expecting this to be a fucking high-class production. Open fucking office. <laughs>
2: Celebrity
3: <laughs> boxing <laughs> presents. <laughs> I wish something for the email. Like Is for... yeah. something for Miami Vice or look.
4: something like that? Looks like the poster for Tron. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> There's a guy saying that Michael Thompson just said in the chat, he's not even the top name on the poster. Yeah. <laughs> he's even the A
4: side. I'd uh, uh, think it's a Corey B's not even as good as Corey A. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, malignage. Uh This one might have cropped up last week, but I've kept it in anyway for lols. Guillermo Rigondo says, let's do this already so I can show you what old looks like. Big Irv says, just don't pull out again, Grandpa. Uh, Guillermo says, only on your old
2: lady. <laughs> 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 Vamos. Camping on. He's sloppy. He's going to get into the goddamn ring soon.
4: The sad thing uh, about that is that, that's just Rigo's misses, isn't it? Like, run his fucking Twitter account. Yeah. Not really hitting, like, <laughs> Oh, good old Vigo. Well,
0: here's one. Alex Arthur, uh, Michael Condon says, on the right path, be your own champion. Hashtag the Condon revolution. Alex Arthur says, potential three-weight world champion. Maybe sound far-fetched to some, but one of the most adaptable boxers I've ever seen in live in my life. Uh, Kurt LL Cool K, former resident of the pod, and now disappeared. Kurt Ward has nominated Alex Arthur for that one.
4: Who disappeared worse, Matty or Kurt Ward? <laughs> 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 Hello? <laughs>
3: Lord, looking's up there, like. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can say.
4: Got as much chance of getting Kurt Ward <laughs> back as finding Jimmy Hoffa as fucking
5: as <laughs> that <laughs> Well, oh, you man. know, no, nothing beats the lure of the underage puss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. can do Lee
3: Griffiths.
1: Fuck it. Fuck Fuck it. Here we are.
4: Here we go. back with a vengeance,
0: man. He's warmed up. He's ready to go. Um <laughs> Andy here tweeting out a wee uh, card worth keeping an eye out for on Wednesday. Should be Free View on YouTube. Eric Rosa Pacheco is one to watch, but again the WBA I bet to create a fourth belt holder, this time at minimum weight. So at uh, minimum weight, we have the super champ, knockout CP Freshmart, who hasn't fought since March 2020. The world champion, Victorio Saladar, who won the vacant belt in February 2021. The gold champ, Lehman Benavides, who won the vacant belt in February 2020 and has never defended it. So what's the solution, Andy? Create an interim champion. (laughs) 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 Just on the back end of
3: that that Box News
4: article, These bastards. You, You showed them.
3: <laughs> you fucking saw them man. Eh? just they're just taking the absolute Michael <laughs> out of everybody here by the way. Michael Fish, it's absolute shocking, man. I mean, fucking four champs at minimum weight, right? Who can actually move between weight divisions, between three pounds, five pounds, whatever it is. Fuck's sake. Just just get these guys to fight each other, surely. That'd be the best thing to do. Fucking creating belts and sanctioning fees. <laughs> and the thing is they see it that way, isn't it a lot of money, I suppose? But these guys they make a lot of money at that way have got like, a, a big investor behind the fucking hell. Wankers.
0: Oh, the WBA. And uh, Sir Arthur Dane on Facebook, who is indeed the aforementioned Brian King. This is my nomination for tomorrow. He tagged me in on Facebook. Is Albany Collins asked a question in boxing history, highlights and pugilism, Andy. Javante Tank-Davis versus Roberto Duran at one thirty-five. Who you're taking? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually surmising that the person who's actually messaged that actually, actually picking the... Davis, I would say who are you all taking. I mean, come on, man. Duran's one of the greatest lightweights of all time, and Davis fought there what twice.
4: I don't know. He's the he's the greatest lightweight of all time. There's an argument for Benny Lynch, but you got to go back in the fucking you gotta back, go back in the fucking time machine to get there. Duran's the greatest lightweight of all time. He beats Javante Davis. Like, give, give me a break. As good as Javante is, I don't think he fucking beats Duran at one thirty-five. What's he going to do? Knock him out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
5: I I don't know. I mean, hey. Her- Hearns Je- knocked out. Yeah. Ah, but money here? Look, Tommy Hearn's just six foot
4: two. Javante Davis is four foot one.
5: <laughs> okay, another thing
3: as well is, I mean, if it was one thing, Jerome's susceptible to at one thirty-five. It was uh, the left hook, the one that dropped, uh, dropped by De Jesus not twice against him. Another thing as well is sometimes he was he didn't live the life by making weight properly, and that he just he just crammed it all all himself. So maybe maybe you know. No, it's just not going to happen. But you see, Davis's <laughs> power, okay, it's, it looks like it's legit, but we've not seen it properly tested against supposed great fighters.
4: Duran is standing in front of Davis and making this and fucking hit him in the balls and fucking hold, push him back to out. the ropes and
3: yeah, old man him, rough him up, yeah. thumbing in the eye, yeah. liver shots,
4: kidney Everything. shots, You'll elbows, head And he wouldn't go away, he wouldn't be going away for a guy. At, like Gervonta Davis at 35, I'm taking this question way too seriously, it's a fucking joke That is all the ones I've got, any nominations
0: from you this week Andy, episode 432
3: Yes, I've got Chris Mannix a absolute arsehole by the way, comes out with this tweet last night, boxing judging continues to be an embarrassment, that 117 card was absolutely terrible utterly predictable though a great fight gets overshadowed by an awful scorecard, way to go boxing this is a dickhead that I actually had K- Canelo losing to 100 hundreds of time stop it, you know? <laughs> So <laughs> I think we could just put that one in there, like pretty, pretty emphatically. Uh, and I don't know if the guys covered it last week, but Adrian Broner visit the hospital. <laughs> I had a good laugh at that one. Like, I mean, see, did he I visit noticed...
4: the hospital like Jimmy Savile, or is he just visiting? <laughs> <laughs> Life of his, his only fans is taking their turn for the worst <laughs> and thing, and he holds a goal, <laughs> <mum. laughs>
3: think He's even getting that in the room, mate. Look, he's got the energy for that. So, basically, we've we, we seen baby bro in a, in a shower cubicle, sitting on like in a wheelchair, getting a shower. The guy's an alcoholic, he's a degenerate gambler, he needs intervention, treatment. Somebody needs to get a hold of him. Then he go to the hood, just a real mate, a family member needs to get a hold of him and say, Look, mate, Andy Patterson, with the the salon, says, Keep doing it, keep drinking. No, I'm joking. I'm serious. Seriously, though, but as I say before, after he got caught with the hood rat, the only way he's going is, 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 is the streets, basically, man. He he's, he's needs to get himself sorted out pretty quickly before... Forget about his boxing career. Before he loses his kids and his life outside the box, and that, it's seriously going to head in one direction at this point.
0: Uh, Johnny Horscott Nelson says, late entry, Billy Joe filming his kids' reaction to finding his goldfish dead on Instagram. Horrible... Horrible man. I did notice, actually, last night on the scores, you had the likes of Bernardo Osuna, Bruce Trampler, all the top rank ones, were piling in, as they tend to do, against the scoring last night. But they're all um, the recipients of a decent uh, score. No, sorry, just getting um, getting uh, caught up by the chat there. Yeah, Jimmy Tappy can can't get hold of Big P, unfortunately. No Big P updates, Andy. We'll try him again next week. We'll try and speak to him during the week, if we can.
3: Yeah, I sent him a message, there's no response either, so uh, if he hears it, we'll probably try and get him on next
0: week. Yep, you can hold me to it next week, Jimmy. If I say I'm going to do something, I do it. Uh, Gabe Lewis, any nominations Steve, from you? Steve
4: is like Eddie Harden Next week, next week we're expecting an uh,
0: announcement on Pod. Any day now, Steve. <laughs> Absolutely. You uh, Gabe, talk, you, you
5: talk about it. Steve does it. <laughs> Steve does it exactly. Three kids to
0: prove it. Go on, Gabe. Any nominations? <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> I bet
3: you've had the snip though. So I bet you can't do it anymore. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, yeah no. it
0: was. Te- oh God, it was so. Uh, Gabe, are you there?
2: (laughs) I am there, you fucks. Any nominations, Gabe? No? None from me.
0: Oh, nothing from Gabe. Uh, Donnie, anything from you? Negative. Negative from Donnie. Uh, Fury and the COVID has been nominated by one of the boys. Uh, Take Aim said Steve's putting the money towards a billboard. Maybe we'll get Porky out of hiding. Rob, any nominations from you for the Belly Week?
4: No, just for nothing really spectacular. Just Shannon the Cannon and uh, Rampage Jackson from the UFC world they are going back and forth every fucking day on Insta. Um, They're having live Insta sound offs with each other. Definitely not trying to fucking sell a pay-per-view fight on Thriller. These two, it's genuine 100% beef. Real beef from the streets of Brownsville to wherever the fuck um, Rampage is from. But I want fucking Shannon the Cannon to put the fucking tough questions to Rampage Jackson and find out what really went on when Dillian, Wa- Dillian White tried to rape him. Um <laughs> So hopefully we can get an answer there. Fuck the B sample. Let's find out what happened there.
5: I actually do have a nomination. It's Steve Wellings for basically, you know, telling people (laughs) that he was getting a porky russ on (laughs) and getting 50 pounds worth of contributions and then pulling an Eddie Hearn (laughs) and saying, no, we're going to get him next week. Don't worry.
4: Fuck off Donnie. We're gonna give tickets to the NHS, all right? Just get off our back about it. There's no bait switch, You're not any
0: favourite. So next, Donnie, you'll be having a go at Bernie off next. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: or Robert, or Robert Maxwell. Robert Maxwell, exactly. Go Siphon fat the steal pensions. your pension. Safe yep. the pensions.
0: <laughs> right, once we once you finish off the belly of the week, so I'll try and give Big P another ring, see if we can get him on. air about that? We will try, we will try for you. Right, okay, so there have been quite a few nominations then. I quite enjoyed that one, as no doubt you did at home. I like the Charlo Ooh. one, actually. The Castanio fight could be the one that put me in the hall of shame. Uh, Corey B against Malinaji was a good one as well, as was Rigo getting stuck in there. Uh, for me, it's got to be the lads, hasn't it? Uh, Richard, Ivan, Chachita, Jaramillo against uh, whoever. Oh, Jose Ramirez, Cruz. That's my nomination for this week <laughs> going for, Andy. Oh,
3: man. It's a hard one, like... Um... I am gonna go for Charlo. This, this this hype this hyperbole they're going about that. I am the greatest ever lines in the camp, and then you kind of trump as a kind of you know scout cub basically, taking a of in a performance like that. So yeah, you didn't do anything. Make the pit of at top. You are a decent fighter, but you ain't an elite one. Unfortunately for yourself, not mate. So yeah, Jamal Charlo for me.
0: It's Charlo for Andy. One for Charlo. One for the fatties. Then Gabe, who are you going for?
2: Ah sorry couldn't get my thing unmuted. Um yeah, Charlo.
0: Ooh, two for Charlo. He could be winning something this weekend after all. Donnie, who are you going for?
5: Sorry. Uh I'm going to go for Charlo also because uh you know, it kind of reminds like that would be like if like, you know, uh Julio Cesar Chavez got done with uh Penel Whitaker and said, "Yeah, this is the fight that really Cement my legacy (laughs) (laughs) you know I mean like you fucking got away with something and then you're telling people that it puts you in the hall of fame no yeah that's uh, that's value of the week worthy if anything ever was
0: and uh, I think it's academic Rob I went for the fatties the lads have gone for Jamel who you going for
4: well, no, I quite like Barry Jones being like the, the status that he's at in terms of punditry and, and boxing personality in general for him to basically open admit openly admit that his motivation for going to the zone was not the huge platform, not the games change. Why are you going to an app? My jam is taking pictures on her Twitter in her bikini. So that's where I'm going. Fuck the pay. He'll be up that like a rat up a drainpipe. So uh, Barry Jones for me, man, it's hard to be that one like. You can You don't see that that often. Like you're not going to see Adam Smith going, "Oh, the tits on my pajama." We'll never forget. You know what I mean? It's just a bit unusual. Like so, yeah.
3: Yeah, you'd need to. Get, I, I, you just kind of Adam Smith doing anything a taller woman than that. You'd you know, you would expect him to take his shirt out, of his underpants first. You know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Bean.
0: Bean. <laughs> I was going uh, to say something a better not Congratulations Jamel Charlo! You've won the value of the week For <laughs> episode 432 It involved Gabe Spade anyway uh, Congratulations Mr Jamel uh, Okay so uh, as we finish up then gentlemen I'd like to thank everybody on the panel Who has joined us this evening Andy Patterson, Gabe Lewis, Donnie Baseball And rapping Rob Kelly And one more time, gentlemen, for your hard-earned cash. We'll try again next week. If not, let's try Big P, see if we can get him on the call. He's not expecting us, so to be fair, he's not obliged to answer. Let's see if we can get him. Tension's rising. It's not looking good. Not this week, Andrew, not this week.
5: In, in America, the dial tone sounds different. Every time I hear this, I like to think of it as the end of Brick in the Wall.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we don't need no education is a fucking common theme in our, in our fucking chat every week. Uh-huh. We don't need no
3: education.
0: Well, I suppose, you know, at the end of the day, you've just got to take the positives so we can at least ring porky. Jade can't. You know what I'm saying?
3: (laughs) 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 Savagely put in there by Savage Steve Williams. Oh, man. man. (laughs) Try it for you.
0: Try it for you, boys. Uh, Yeah, thanks to everybody Rob, Donnie, Gabe, and Andy. We shall be back again, same time, same place next week. Episode 433. Matty is still away, so I shall be back in the red hot seat. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to hit a like, subscribe, join us on Patreon. If you think we shit, give us a thumbs down, do whatever the hell you want. Enjoy your week, and bye. We'll never forget.
4: Yeah, we just get
0: me
3: We wanna be honest, yeah.
0: Crying like a little bitch. I've
4: never met a fucking
0: so I can fight me. I, I fell asleep. I, I fell asleep.
3: You're a fucking bomb, you're a fucking asshole. Rumpo fucking stealth
0: skin. But allegedly, Oscar Rivas has, 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 filled, has filled a test.
5: Seven year eight. Seven year
3: I'm
0: going fucking smash fucking you. I hope you fucking die. Be
3: safe. I love boxing sounds as simple as that.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.